0: to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I am Dave, and it's a big treat. We have an old-time guest.
1: Old-timer. Old-timer, Jay. Hi, Dopey Nation. How you feel, Jay? Honored and a little sad. And you sound terrible. I sound amazing. <laughs>
0: Jay's, Jay has the flu, but he's, he's fucking come through anyway in the clutch. And when Jay recorded last with Dopey... Jay came down to my apartment uh, on East mm. Broadway, and Chris was there, and we had no mics. We talked into the computer, talking to a laptop or MacBook Air or something. I think it was a MacBook Pro. Okay. I think it was Chris's MacBook Pro, and um, and there's the three of us like huddled around the computer, right. and I think one of the honors of, of Jay's episode, I think that was the longest one we had done ever. When you were on I rambled on. I don't think you rambled on too much. I think like it was a real uh drug and recovery <laughs> yeah. uh you know, hangout.
1: I talk. hadn't talked about war stories that long in a while. It's kinda like, oh, all these old tales. And and Jay had Because you guys were newish at the time.
0: We were very new. I think we were at episode twenty But in your recoveries. Yeah, I was like four months. in. Yeah,
1: you weren't talking about romance and finance. You were talking about banging dope.
0: Yeah, we were talking about banging dope and um, and and can we live? You know, could <laughs> I live a life that wasn't uh, getting high? Like, how how could I enjoy my life if I wasn't getting high? And that wasn't necessarily banging dope at that point because, like, I remember it, the last time I shot dope, I was like, I can't do it. It was, yeah. it was too strong. It was just like <laughs> I hadn't done dope for like. Four years and I had done pills here and there. I wanted to smoke weed. I didn't want to be clean. You always were a happy stoner. I was known you for like seventy years. Yeah. I was a really happy stoner. You blew it. I know. (laughs) I went to treatment one time and they want you to write a a letter to your drug.
1: Oh, that's right, I remember doing that.
0: (laughs) And so I wrote a letter to heroin. Saying that it was the slut that took me away from my virginal, beautiful girlfriend of weed. That heroin, like I cheated on weed totally with heroin
1: did. and it ruined my beautiful relationship with weed. Ugh, and everybody was like, don't do it. She's, she's a tramp. Exactly. Like, don't she's go with tramp. that gal. She's we all know, everybody knew about you. They're like, don't. Stay with your girl. She's amazing.
0: But that's an interesting point, though. It's like, when you, how old, you were, you're a heroin addict. I am a heroin addict. And how old were you the first time you did heroin? I was
1: probably eighteen. And tell me well tell me the story real quick. I mean I was working at Barnes and Noble in the Marshalls Plaza. Nice. Which is in Poughkeepsie. Uh-huh. Which is where you go to shoot dope and die. Anybody from where I'm from either died or still lives there or a few of us got out here to our fair city. But uh yeah, I was, I was a chronic drunk. Like, I was getting arrested. I was, I was drinking a gallon of, I would save the white gallo for the morning and the red gallo for night. Right. The gallons. Remember the gallo gallons? The jug. Right. So then my friend... But it, you were a jug kind of guy. You were a, a musician. handle guy.
0: Yeah. You, see, that was something that Chris would always say. I wasn't
1: is, yet a musician. I mean, I was playing guitar, but I was like, I was thinking I was going to be an art student, maybe. I was just a guy in Poughkeepsie. My band, every, a year after that, it all took off because I became the drug mule for a band. Then hired me. Tell me more. Okay. So this guy, whatever, I worked for him. He's like, you don't have to drink so much. Here, try this little powder. I'm going to get heroin. It's going to come. That's going to be great. And anyway, the first time I did it, unlike you, I was like, well, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life now. I found it. Because I had been reading up on it, you know? I've been looking for it.
0: So like when you say to me, like, everyone knows that heroin's this tramp, or another way for it, everyone knows that heroin will destroy you. That's what I wanted. That's
1: what you want. I grew up Catholic. So explain well, you know, I grew up Catholic. There was, like, I wanted to do everything bad there was. I, I went to Catholic schools. My parents spoke in tongues. My dad was a monk before he had a family. We would say, like, chants. Over, he would wash our feet in Easter. It was a real constricted, small, little, like, super religious world. And as soon as I had any agency, I smoked crack. That was, was that the first thing you did? No, no, that's not true. The first thing I did was uh, uh, dust off. Really? You I, huffed dust off? Which I would buy by the case. And I would tie it to my wrist with a shoelace because so I would have, lose it.
0: Hold on. You'd have a can of dust off and you would tie it to your wrist so yeah. you wouldn't lose it. How old were you then? Probably 14. How do you use the, the dust case, I don't even.
1: I don't even know. You, you just inhale it. You shoot the dust you off with your mouth? You just put that. Look, it's camera lens cleaner and you, put, and you suck as hard as you can. It's the strongest high I ever had. Wow. I would see neon green demons and come to and I would have. I came to once. Last thing I remember was doing a giant pull off this like dust cleaner in the fourth floor of my Catholic high school. I woke up in the basement. I had bitten half my tongue off. I was missing a tooth. And what did I do? I didn't go like call the police or anything. I went and found the can which I had dropped on the second floor. And I was so maniacally and driven like, to Fuck, keep staying high. I have to make sure I tie this and to my from wrist. From then on, on, I tied it onto my wrist. How would it not fall out of the loop? If it was an aluminum cylinder? I mean, I was a pretty crafty kid. I bet. You know, I grew up in Hopewell. There was some woods around. I might have used rawhide laces. (laughs) It grips. It grips. So, dude, how long was your huffing career? Until I managed to get some uh, weed. Weed was the first thing I could get after that.
0: How did you meet... We have a mutual friend. How did you meet Zev uh, from Catholic school?
1: I hated my school so much. And more importantly, they hated me. Like, even the teachers and the students... I mean, I'm doing a 4 step now. They're always on there. I'm so sick of going over these fucking people. Like, when will this be taken from me? But uh, I would hang out with the kids from the the local public school that were cool, and there was three of them that would hang out with this nerdy Catholic school guy because we played music together, and Zev was one of them. You just met him through the ether in the town. I met him through my childhood friend that went to Catholic school before me and then went on to public school. And then he and I would play in this band called The Mall Cheeks, which was this punk band. We'd play Sex Pistols covers. We're talking like the mid-'80s, maybe the late-'80s. And uh, we'd have songs like about hostess cakes and shit. It was a real dumb punk, you know? And Zev got brought into that whole crew. I love that. But I, I'm
0: really very, very, very curious about the huffing the duster. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. When, did, like, when did, you, did you trade it in? When did you realize that that wasn't the drug that you could do?
1: Or did you keep doing it I mean, the consequences happened pretty quick with that drug. Like I was, getting, I was getting concussions I remember once a doctor said, asked my mom to leave the room Because I had a concussion, I was missing a tooth And he looked at me and he said Son, we can replace a lot of things But we can't replace brains I'm not going to tell your mother what's going on here But you've got to clean yourself up And I was like, 14
0: Right, but this is, this is an interesting moment In the life of a young addict Because he's talking about consequences yeah. And you're listening to him
1: I was like, yeah, whatever
0: But you didn't do the fucking dust off again
1: no, I I continue to. It was I just found better drugs. I mean, it's it's a fine drug, but it was really, you know, I had I had aspirations for drugs. I needed to keep climbing the ladder. Dustoff was like dangerous, very dangerous, and I was very, also it just so doesn't belong in you. It was you, great when I found weed and combined them for a while, but then it was just like I like drinking and weed now. Because you know how you shift your alliance shifts. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely.
0: Um... So you were you were you became a stoner kind of drinker? Yeah, heavy drinker. And the drinks the drinks overwhelm the stony. You like yeah. the oblivion
1: more well, than the than pot marijuana. makes me so paranoid. THC is such a fucked up drug. I'm so insecure and like I was the bad trip guy. I took like thousand when you give an alcoholic acid like me, I would take however many were in the room. And that was bad. I would end up in the police station with amnesia. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't know my name for three days. I would get arrested. I was a bad trip dude. And so we just brought all that paranoia back, you know. So I remember being maybe 18. Now, I made a definitive decision. I was like, I'm going to close the doors of perception. Right. Like, I have seen too much. I cannot function as a human. I'm either going to check myself into some kind of mental institution. It's a lot of that shit in my family. My dad was inpatient for a while. Or I'm going to just nail this door shut with like, only downers, only pot. I'm sorry, only you know alcohol, only, and then eventually heroin.
0: So it was like you needed the, the yeah, the relaxation of oblivion, if, if not for a better term. Like I was the same way. I, I was I, a medicinal user. Yeah, I me was too. Not too bingy. For me, it was like my neurosis. Like my neurosis was like was so high, but for some reason the THC like worked with it. Like I didn't. Some get- Some people are like that. I my brothers get, are like that. Yeah, I didn't get paranoid on pot. No. I would uh get totally relaxed. Uh I just like one you know, you can't be too out there with weed. You have to stay inside. Mm-hmm. Like going to school high was it was tricky. I'd have to keep it moving. I couldn't talk too much to I anyway. did enjoy that.
1: Yeah. The secretly high thing was a big thing for me.
0: It was great. Um but psychedelics were were seemed like way too much work. It was not like mm. a it was like a lot of work. And I would like Chris fucking Lived for psychedelics And he also lived for uppers Chris like was this Yeah that's that type He was an IV coke guy Like he would say that was his I mean I was a speedball guy by the end. That was my main jam I liked speedballs When the dope was heavy Do you know what I'm saying Like I couldn't have If I had a preference (laughs) I had had a preference I was living in Los Angeles I had no money I I had very little money too I was shooting
1: crack with vinegar And like Mm -hmm. I could maybe scrape together Enough in a bag To not be sick
0: you remember vinegar?
1: It's the only way you can melt crack.
0: I never had, to, had the, the reason to melt it. Well, that's I, so you can shoot it. I, yeah. I, I, when I had crack, I smoked it with that weird Asian guy. And you know, oh, that's like that. a
2: clack. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, but one thing that's interesting to me about you, or one of the many things, is because uh, Jay is this big-time musician, uh, songwriter. you traveled the world. I'm not
1: big-time at all. Wow. Well, but I, have tra- I, I continue to travel the world, and I write a lot of songs.
0: And you've you've been involved with, with a lot of people that are notable, you
1: know. True, um, I'm a footnote.
0: Well, a, a footnote in a lot of notable things, and, and yeah. but the point is, you could toot your own horn if you wanted to, uh, but your anonymity is, mm-hmm. is critical to you. And I think, like you were just saying to me off the, the show, like how anonymity, like has changed, like yeah. And what do you? Thanks for like, bringing
1: that up. Yeah, because when I first came around. I mean, everything has changed. It's gotten really weird. I remember I now have a girl sponsee in a, in DA, not AA. I don't really even go to AA much anymore. Is that legal to have a girl sponsee? Well, this is this is things have changed. When I first came around in the fucking, I think my grandpa brought me in the late '80s or whatever. He was in AA. My grandpa has been sober for like 45 years. He went to meetings with Bill. How did that? So like, my grandma had Lois speak at her Al Anon meeting. Like we're OGs.
0: Wow I'm so like that third explains, generation Hold on And that explains a ton So when did your grandpa How did your grandpa get involved?
1: He was a Polish drunk in Yonkers, New York And fucking somebody It was a classic like I don't know Wearing trench coat looking like AA thing from the old days
0: No, but how did he get involved in your story?
1: Oh, well my mom was ACA, Alan on all my life Which is why I hated that shit and What's there, ACA? Adult children of alcoholics uh-huh. Which I've since done a lot of time in But you know being raised by My mom was basically a newcomer 12 step programs This is a bad way to raise a kid As a newcomer No offense your kid's gonna be great But my mom was a freak She was also speaking in tongues She was really religious I love her But it was a weird time Anyway she made her father Take me to meetings so I just liked it because fuck- I could smoke You were all fucked up mm-hmm.
0: And she said Dad Jay's all fucked up Will you take him to meetings
1: before I ever touched a thing, she was like, you know, the stats are one in three children of people in alcoholic families become an alcoholic, and we think it's you. Well, well she was right. I was like, I know. So she brings you to Grandpa. Were you clean at
0: uh, that point? I didn't get clean till I was twenty seven. <laughs> so he was bringing you to meetings when you were still using. Yeah. So de- describe that to me. What was that
1: like? Well, I w- it was it was still the days when I was like devoted to acid as a religion. I wasn't yet into like banging actual like drugs, like ghetto drugs. But, you know, it was the days when you I liked it because you could you would smoke while you shared. You would hold hands and say the our father, if you even looked at a girl, they would like hit you with a stick. And fast forward to fucking Williamsburg, where I live in, 20, you know, and I'm, I'm like, I don't know if I should have this person. Should I sponsor them? They're a girl. And my sponsor is like, that's so heteronormative. Wow. You know what I mean? I don't even know what hetero- heteronormative is. I can barely say it. It's offensive to people that are queer. And I get it now. This culture changes. Recovery continues to work. but it, So she's not hetero, your sponsee? She's not.
0: If well, she no, was. my sponsee
1: is what my sponsor is not. Do you have a woman sponsor? I sure do. Wow. Yeah.
0: You're out there, man. It's all happening.
1: It's not 2018,
0: buddy. Um, It's about to be 2019. Oh, my fucking God. It's about to be 2019. But... We were, we were on anonymity and we got off of it
1: I'm just saying in the old days Anonymity was like It was like a zen tradition And I get it because my ego wants to tell Dopey Nation whom I love And I'm deeply grateful for existing And inspire me to like go listen To my shit so I can, I don't know Be famous or some bullshit But that's not what this is about This is about service, you know It is so tempting for me to leverage my recovery In those ways And I I try to be really strict about it
0: Right, right. Um, yeah, it's funny, like, and I don't even know how it equates. Like, half of the listeners know who I am
1: because it's pretty easy to figure it out. But Everybody's like that these days. But it's I, a new culture. I'm just old.
0: No, 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 but I don't put my last name on it. Mm-hmm. I don't put a picture of myself Except on the Except for thing.
1: that dreaded last Chris episode, but that was only eight minutes. Oh, dude, he, he said my last name. Oh, did he say it? He yeah. said
0: my last name on the last episode. And, and you had to edit it out, right? And then I woke up in the morning and some beautiful person in the Dopey Nation is like, Chris said your last name, man. And I, and I didn't edit the episodes. So I'm like no. fucking freaking out. And Chris, you know, is high, you mm. know. And I, I didn't even know he was high. I was so
1: fucking Don't feel stupid. bad for that. I, I spent 10 years with a woman that was like straight up cinematic junkie style, like real movie style junkie. And I didn't know for years. And I was a junkie. I was clean in recovery. I, I feel, you don't, but did she, did she live? She lived. She's been clean. She got clean in the clinic and has been totally fine ever since no meetings. But wow. she was like, I'm, I cannot exaggerate how much of a junkie she was. You know, Chris level. So it's really possible for us that love people to not see it sometimes, you know? Don't I wonder, feel bad. I felt so stupid, but it's very common.
0: Something, something really funny happened uh, pretty recently. Um... On Reddit, you know, you know this Reddit. There's I love a, Reddit. There's a dope, I, I wish, I wish I loved it a little bit more. But there's a Dopey podcast thing on Reddit, and um, run by this guy Cormac, who's a good guy, musician, good singer, good guitar player, mm. uh, good guy. Um, and the Reddit Dopey people are like tough. You know what I mean? Mm. Like they like have a voice that often goes against me. They often talk shit and hurt my feelings. But what are you going to do? Reddit's a cruel place, man. Anyway, so. Somebody recently posted on Reddit. Um, I believe that Chris is still alive, and that he he gave up Dopey to pursue his sidee and his professional, whatever counseling career. PhD. And and Chris and Dave collaborated to make this story a cautionary tale for the Dopey Nation. And um, but he's still alive. And, like, the responses were, like, you're a fucking idiot, blah, 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 blah. But I have to say, I love that post. Yeah. You know, I love that post because
1: it, like... Good response.
0: It, it, no, I loved it. Because yeah. it, like, it made me feel like we were the Beatles or something, and I'm faking Chris All is dead. De- exactly. Yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. what a crazy thing, like, that anybody could think that, because Chris is totally dead. You know, I saw his body. Mm. Um, he died. And, um... God. And that's another thing that 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 that's happening a lot. That and I, and I understand this. Death. Well, death is happening a lot, but I hear from a lot of people who listen to the show about how much they miss Chris. And I miss Chris too. Um and it hurts me to hear when people miss Chris cuz the first thing it does is it, is is it uh activates my What the fuck? Isn't the show still good?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, or like that's the first thing and then the second well, thing... Fucking props for saying that, man. One of the reasons the show is good is because you just say the most <laughs> sensitive things. It's, everybody would feel something like that, I think.
0: Oh, dude. It's like, I get I get messages that are like, I really miss Chris on the show. Oh, yeah. It's like, me too. Yeah. You know what I mean? The show was a lot of fun when Chris was on the show. Yeah. But... Chris fucking relapsed and died. And then, and then there's a new level of, of, of dopey fan, which I appreciate, but it's still very painful, where they're sending me episodes that um, and, and they're describing stuff that Chris said. Like there's a dude who just sent me uh, in the 100th episode. You know, we the hundredth episode was a big celebration that we did a hundred episodes of Dopey. Okay,
3: yeah,
0: and uh, we open with all these voicemails, and then we start talking. Mm. And, and in the first ten minutes of the show, Chris starts talking about what might happen if he relapsed. Okay, and he was saying he was like really just sloughing it off, and he said I would go back to rehab and I would do this whole thing again and blah 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 blah. And I'm just like sitting here you know i'm sitting on the train and i'm listening to my friend's voice you know and he had such
1: a beautiful voice I and know. such a warm i heard him today su- just such a warm nice thing about him so it was talented. a sweetheart man you described him perfectly he was like innocent at the same time would like <laughs> take acid and speedball well he was the least innocent or he was the least innocent, innocent funny about how we can be or the dumbest smart guy yeah. he, he was both
0: of those things yeah um And he was a joy, you know. He was one of my best friends. Yeah. Um, But he fucking, um, I'm listening to him, and he's like, "Or maybe I'll die." He says in the first ten minutes of the episode 100. He says, "Maybe I'll die, motherfucker." And and I'm pissed, you know, because I'm pissed because when you talk about dying, you don't know for some reason you don't know what it's gonna be like for everybody else.
1: It's a really good point.
0: You know, especially when you're an idiot fucking kid. And Chris was 34, and Chris was, you know, in his master's, in his D, all this shit. But you he know, also
1: did drugs, so he was probably not exactly mature. He was not exactly mature. No. I think you no, hit the nail on the no head. No offense. I speak as someone who's not, you know, that has struggled with that for all of my adult life. And you have some
0: time. I do When you came on the first time You had 16 years Which puts you very close to 20
1: I'm at 18 That's close Yeah You're on your way I guess I got my marbles at 10 They say right I don't know about that stuff I don't know They say you, you have 5 years You get your marbles At 10 years You can play with your marbles Some old school shit Right 10 years I got into Alana 15 years I got into ACA NSLAA You ever try that one? Yes Huh. That was a very funky one That's a weird one I only did about a year there God bless those guys But damn that. Was I weird.
0: went once <laughs> Or no I went twice yeah. And like it fucked me up Yeah Like because I, I went there You're Like is everything like Well I, I didn't understand it mm. And I, I, I literally didn't understand it It was very like the, It's like a It's like if, if 12 step is card games <laughs> SLAA is the most complicated card game I've ever seen You know you go in there oh. When I went in there I went in there because I was so obsessed with putting my family back together. Like, mm. I have other issues that I don't like to talk about on the show because it could fuck everything up. Respect. You know, like, like I have my own issues in, involving seeking attention and yeah, exactly. the opposite
1: like, sex and all that telling shit. Telling you the money program's the one where you, that's the, next, that's the next level for this stuff. Right. Right. That's the next Careerism, level. time management. So I go
0: to SLAA.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um... Because I can't, I can't have a conversation in a day where it doesn't go back to, I want my family back. I want mm. Linda back. I, I yeah.
1: couldn't. I was obsessed. It's romantic obsession in a, in a way. Yeah, a very wholesome version. It was the most wholesome version. Off to you. Of, of, and it's like <laughs> there's it's, guys in there that are kid touchers. You're
0: like, I just want my family back together. I went in there and it was like, I went to two meetings. The first one was like 50 people down the street at St. Francis of Assisi, okay. like fucking. Wall to wall, they're and, like, and yeah. chicks are like giving me the eye, and I'm like, "This is <laughs> fascinating," you know. <laughs> and then, and then it's like, I have 60 days without porn, I have 90 yeah, days yeah. without fucking whores, yeah. I have 100 days without, you know, it's like all yeah. of these things. My bottom line is this, but this, you it's like it.
1: very complicated. They go through withdrawal. They don't masturbate or whatever. I mean, I did that for four years. I didn't, you know. What do you mean? I didn't self pleasure for about four years.
0: That's fascinating It was
1: a very fascinating time I would wake up like Punching the wall You know but, And it was a really Eye-opening experience I only did it for about a year But I kept that going Because it was so interesting um, But you had a, probably A robust sex life uh, You know I've been I, I had just met my, my now wife And you know We were new So then Yeah So, that so did, You know Everything, everything was being Taken care of right, there, right. Both emotionally And sexually Right And it was just Kind of like I mean I'm not <laughs> there anymore I've, I've relaxed a little No, I think there's... Please, tell me more. But speaking of that, though, like, I will say, you know, I didn't find SLAA to be in any way a sexy place. Nobody was giving me the eye. And I love my primary program. And and thank God I'm basically a junkie and not... Like, if speedballing was, like, touching little kids, I would... That would suck. I'm so grateful for the one I got. Or the ones I have. Right. You know what I mean? That's something else that Chris used to always say. He would always say how he was grateful that this was his problem. There are some seriously bad problems. You know, it's a bad problem, but there's a solution, right? And in AA, which I don't go to too much anymore, every now and then I go because all my friends are sober. Basically, we just in lots of other things. Everybody's giving you the glad eye. Nobody's anonymous. I don't know. Nobody. It's just, I. What does that mean exactly? Glad eye? Oh, they're like. It's like in it's well, maybe because I need to go to meetings not in Williamsburg, but they're just fucking each other everywhere. Oh, it's a dating scene, right? It's great when you're single. It's something to do on a Friday night. There's the big meeting down. I here. love
0: that. Yeah, I love that in theory. It is great. It was my a great meetings,
1: resource. My meetings now. I go to. Uh, did you ever go there single? Oh my god, I spent a lot of time. I was dating in AA. Finally, I was in a relationship for ten years with that junkie before. I so I was kind of grandfathered in. I, I had six years with somebody. And then at like seven years, I had just moved to New York City. I was clean. I was at the top of my powers. My bands are doing really well. I was like, time to be lead singer guy. Right. And uh, I couldn't. I'm too nice because I don't drink. But you were, in terms of like. I'm too Catholic. But in terms of you actually as lead singer guy,
0: you were great.
1: Dude. Th- that's you- a recovery thing. Let me unpack that for a second. Oh, I'm so sorry I said unpack. It's such a podcast term. Let me tell you about sobriety and performing.
0: As long as you don't say gaslight, we're good. Oh God! What
1: does gaslighting mean anyway? It's I don't, tricky. I don't I never It's like it. if I were to pretend like that you did something.
0: I don't get that at all. But get get to your unpacking. Yeah. Uh, and unpacking is just a fancy word for
1: explaining. Yeah, that's okay. stupid podcast it's, speak. It's okay. Another one that everyone says on podcasts is let's take a deep dive. Deep dive. <laughs> I've never done <laughs> anywhere. Oh, Can God. you divin? Can you who a divine? I've, ne- I've never divin. Look look, look for water. I never dove. If ever oh. dove
0: deep diving. So who is deep diving? Which podcasts take deep dives Oh, those silly
1: podcasts, man. I listen to all of them. I'm addicted to them.
0: So how do you before we get into the unpacking, how do you think we rate amongst uh the podcast world? Hey,
1: you're an up and comer, man. It's I I keep my eye on these things. I'm uh impressed. There's a, there's it's potential. I would say it's there. We got potential. I mean, you got the thing, you know, and and there's just been a real magic occurring and it's it's been a real pleasure to watch, and I think. What are we about to unpack, though? I, 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 I want to have this beautiful
0: feeling, but I. It There's unpack- a lot of
1: recovery podcasts. This one keeps it very real, and that is your niche, and it, it warms my heart. Um, because that's the only way to stay clean. I think.
0: Right. <clears throat> well, the trick is for me. I I like I, I do the podcast is about my life now. You know, it was about mine and Chris's life and the stuff we like I to know. talk about he 's gone, so it 's about my life and whatever person I can horn swaggle to come in, you know whoever that may be, and then i my favorite stuff is just the, the dumb shit I you know. know that happens in a sober life, so it 's part of my recovery
1: The massive service here is that everybody does dumb shit all the time and recovery people are sometimes worried that they can 't be anything other than Gandhi, right, which is so stupid you 're a year of heroin you 're expected to be like a spiritual giant. We're ridiculous. We're we're it's spiritual kindergarten. I was like an amoeba just like attaching to anything that came near me. And the fact that you can kinda like make a safe space, another podcast term, where it's okay to be a fuck up, like dude, that is attraction, not promotion. That's why this works. People that are doing like, you know, you gotta meditate twenty hours a day, which is probably good. I love to meditate, but like It can't, there's no pedestals for recovery. That's what this is about. Heroin is the great equal, you know, drugs and alcohol are the great equalizer. So when you, let's get back into the, into the. So performing, right? Yeah. Before I got clean, I was doing a lot of touring. I did lines of gold records with my name on them. I did the life. It was cool. I come from Poughkeepsie. I was working at a deli called Sausage and Stuff. All of a sudden I was on MTV. And then I'd be back at the deli and I'd have a dope habit and then I'd be, you know, like traveling fucking wherever. Famous guy shit. Also a deli guy. You know, I come from really no- nothing. Poughkeepsie. And all of a sudden... The I, wrong side of Poughkeepsie. Yeah, not the... Is there a right side of Poughkeepsie? Not really, no. Okay. It's just a shitty place. Um, the dope was $20 a bag. It's gritty, though. It was expensive, too. Like, the real dope. You get the $10 bag was 20 bucks there. That's why my habit was always kind of weird. But <clears throat> anywho... Um, well, that's how we cross paths, and I didn't mention this. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's on tell everybody episode, what that's about
0: but, um Jay is the person who gave me my first bag.
1: A $20 bag, I should add. No way. You got it from the Lower East Side. Oh, okay. I, was, I
0: got You're on wise. your way back. Yeah. Because I went to school in Westchester, and Jay would go. Yeah. And, and, and the myth. I was mule. The myth at the time was that Beck was on Houston Street Copping. That was like what we would talk about <laughs> uh, like amongst ourselves. I heard Beck is on Houston Street Copping. And I don't know, I don't know what Beck. I don't think I ever saw Beck. No. <laughs> me and Beck used to shoot up together back in the 90s. Right before Loser came out It's not true I'm just joking Okay Because I, t- t- I have
1: those stories
0: I, I don't But I will
1: not say those names I don't I don't okay. That's a
0: joke I'm sure Beck is an upstanding guy I don't know what he's ever done He's a
1: Scientologist He doesn't shoot dope Interesting Yeah
0: Fucking Beck Different cult Dude Beck That record though The Beck record Amazing The, the Beck record Many of them No the one, I, the one that Fucking Changed my whole Existence Was One Foot in the Grave yeah That record Whip loved that one It was That's He played it for me Yeah And it's such a mess it is. You know But you listen to that record And you think I can make music
1: I know And you can't The 90s were great man And it's coming back You should put your record out Yeah Maybe You sound and, a little bit like that Indie rock 90s folk stuff Right Well that's That was like The kind of uh, Like Beat
0: Happening Back That was like the kind of aspiration without thinking I could ever do a thing. Humility. No, it was more like self self hatred than humility. Fine line. Um, It was not humility. It was was like, and also I sucked. You know, I wasn't good. Like I, I, I've, I'm way better now than I was then. Hello. And I still suck. We're back. I just didn't want to play it while my dad's phone rang. Yes, (laughs) we're in Manhattan at my father's house, by the way. If you guys were curious, it's so classic New York in
1: here. I love it. Reminds me of growing up in Yonkers. Does it? Yeah, a little bit. The doors, the painting, the paint jobs, right? Bathroom, the fixtures. It's that middle class Jewish world or Catholic.
0: Yeah, same thing. Yeah,
1: Italian it? Jewish. What's yeah. the difference? We're just, all New Yorkers. Just food and guilt. That's exactly. Uh, but I was gonna go on my brief little like plug for recovery and performing. Uh, one of the reviews of my band at South by Southwest in like 1999. I got sober. Uh, 2000 October 1st 2000 the year 2000 nice round number don't want to fuck that up that is a nice round number right it's like i love round numbers It'll be 20 in 2 years um the review was like good band shame about the painfully shy singer and this is a year or two before i got clean and i was probably doing a little methadone cuz i was traveling I'm definitely drinking you know what i mean just to get me through shows but i was the painfully shy singer fast forward to like I mean, it was a sweaty couple few years in recovery at the beginning. Uh, the plane didn't take off very neatly, and I wasn't always the greatest performer. But if you can sweat it out and actually do steps, my sponsor, like, had me, my early sponsor, had me do, like, voice lessons. You know what I mean? I had the weirdest sponsors. I had a sponsor once that told me to read, like, Greek philosophy, Paideia, and shit. Anyway, and then he, he, I got voice lessons. And that had nothing, I only did like four of them. Basically, she was like, You can sing, but you're just too worried about being cool.
0: This is a great uh, metaphor for all of recovery.
1: Exactly. And so I was like, Okay, humility time. And I just went up there, and uh, a manager of ours filmed my band. And he was like, We need to film you so you can, you need to be more of a performer. And I was like, I know, I'm working on it, I'm sober or whatever. And uh, I watched footage of me on stage. And I, he was like, okay, go out there and give it your all. They taped it. I went back. I was like, I was such an asshole. I was running around like fucking Robert Plant. Like, who does that? I felt so stupid. And I watched the tape and I was just standing there. Like, I wasn't doing anything. Like, in the tape that I felt like I was being an asshole, like. You weren't doing anything. Theatrical you dude, had this I was idea just standing there. Because you were bugged out. Because I was self conscious. Yeah ego and self awareness is not good for performing or sex those two things right you just got to do what you're doing right which is total recovery you know like that's zen the art of recovery was the book was so huge for me when i was a kid zen and the art of recovery yeah I, who wrote that book i don't remember the guy's name but he was it's buddhist take on recovery oh, i'll find it for you i think
0: i ha- i think it might have been the technahan a Technon? It wasn't Technon. Okay, and it was but, not Technon.
1: No, but he, I mean, he...
0: I had a Miracle pre- of Mindfulness Technon recovery book. And I, I remember, though, I would go to cop and I would be reading his book. <laughs> yeah. You know,
1: but anyway, continue. because that's <laughs> like, lo- wonderful. I, I
0: love what you're saying, though.
1: Anyway, I got clean and it took about three or four years. And if anybody's in a band and they're getting clean and they're worried about it, my, I mean, performance reviews started coming in like, this is the indie rock prince like this, like great band, mainly because of the lead singer's performance. So like, it went from painfully shy, decent band, painfully shy singer, to me actually quitting drinking, to becoming the indie rock prince or whatever the fucking reviewer said. Right. So like, I'm, I can't think of a better pitch for goddamn recovery. It just takes a minute. And
0: you know? what do you think the the change was in you, like between like what change like that you? Because for me. I know and I'm you know I'm not there yet I'm I'm wherever I am but you know every day as myself is a little bit more natural mm. and and every day like like I know how bad it can be or how good it can be and and like and I'm pretty like satisfied between those lines I don't know how to describe it like I'm I'm pretty okay Take a good description I'm pretty okay with who I am and it's all because of uh, the recovery. And I hate proselytizing on the show, but it's just, listen, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing a show about recovery if recovery didn't save my stupid ass. Actually, that's not true. We set up the show about recovery because I thought it would be entertaining to talk about drugs. It just quickly it saved your ass. It saved my ass, and it quickly became a testimony to that fact. You know? well, well,
1: there you go. One good thing, to a good way to get, that like, you take the, the drugs and try to swap the band out. You take the drug and swap out a podcast. Like, find meaning in your life. And there was a humility to that. And I, I don't know why I was just able to, like, be a worker among workers. I was like, oh, music is a service position. I'm a, I am ai call myself a vibe mechanic. People have a shitty week. They want to pay eight bucks and go to a club, drink a couple beers because they're they can. And it's my job to make them have a transcendental experience. I'm literally working for these people. It's not about what people say about me i'm here to make people feel better
0: and it makes you feel better it's just like it's it's just like this whole thing exactly we're, we're, let me ask you this
1: all that so all, you wiggle around a lot and they feel like they had a good like they, and then i have to go back to work on monday so i just like i do a bunch of shit and i shake it out and they feel like they have had the catharsis that's my job for them
0: you know my waitering is all in cathartic waitering i've invented it <laughs>
1: i <laughs> believe Cath-
0: it cathartic waitering is when the the customer comes in and i Push them to the brink of wanting to kill me or kill themselves, and then I bring them back and then nice. we 've been through this experience together, and they, ha- they- we 've been through it together and, to and, and we 've recovered together just from the terrible aspect of, of me having served them and at the end. It's like they've been through it. Interesting. And it's this cathartic waiter. they I mean, bond with you. They've bonded a little bit. Because they thought they hated me. And then by the end of it, they kind
1: of like me. There might be a hint of gaslighting in there, my friend. Is that gaslighting? <laughs> it might be a little bit. What is it? I don't it? know. Explain it. I get confused. It's something I don't ever want to do. Maybe that's, maybe I do. It's not cathartic. Maybe I'm a gaslighting waiter. I think gaslighting is when you... When you tell somebody that they've done something that they haven't done, and you just kind of act like that's definitely what happened.
0: I do that. I do that yeah. as a waiter. But
1: yeah. I think it's pretty harmless as a waiter, because I'm not going to see them again. I think that you're probably just... If they love you by the end, you just take them... Like, like performer comedians will do that. Yeah, it's shtick. It's what you do.
0: Um, what was the other thing I was going to ask like you? Like, you
1: fuck with people, then you bond with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's And we do that even in the you know, qualifying, right? I like to throw in a little, like... I like to, to bar I like to get the audience riled up in a meeting where I'm just like I don't, you know. What's the technique with that? Sometimes I'll insult recovery. Right. You know what I well, mean? Well
0: that was my next question. It's because like, when you can bandy about phrases like worker among workers and all of these you know, I do it I do too. And I remember though, when I first got in there, I fucking couldn't stand. I couldn't handle the phrases because I wasn't Ugh. meant to be a worker among workers. I, I didn't know. I hated to be pushed to do the next right thing. Mm. I wrote a song called "The Next Wrong Thing." Yeah, that's when I epic. Was in treatment. That's good. You know, it was and it was good. It was yeah. all minery. It was like it, I, I really want to. I, I never fleshed it out.
1: You should. That's but, a killer title.
0: Um, but like. Uh, when do
1: you think it turned for you that the phrases, that you could feel That's them? a really good question. Because sometimes I'm like, why do I have this stupid post in my bathroom now? But there's something creepy about those sayings. It's like they're the stupid, try to shit my mom would say when I was a kid. And all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, easy does it, but do it. Right. Wow. You know what I mean? I don't know. No, 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 no. It's <laughs> like that whole thing. But when, It's like, just deeply true.
0: And when you were... You know, at the end of your using run, what was what was that? Like, what was the thing that changed?
1: Um, it's like a chess game in reverse, right? Or no, it's just chess game. But you're not the, the winning team. It was checkmate. I did. I'm not, like I said. I'm like a, I was a functional user. You know, I wanted to be like. I wanted to keep doing what I was doing, but like stay medicated. I wasn't a bingy guy too much, although I would go off the rails periodically. But drugs has this beautiful way of like taking everything away step by step where I just could not do it anymore. And I was just alone in my car shooting dirt that wasn't even dope anymore. And I had cotton sickness. Remember that? Yeah. And uh, my car where had were one you? headlight where in Poughkeepsie were and like right. some dirt road on on my way to my $500 apartment with my ex-junkie girlfriend. I was a direct care person for folks with disabilities. God bless them. I love them. That was your job. I changed diapers for a living. Yeah. I'd be in full-on withdrawal having to change a fully grown man's shitty diapers. Wow. Fun times in Poughkeepsie, New York, right? And track marks, you know, right. and, like, I had walking pneumonia, and I just, it, the chess game was over. I could not physically go anywhere anymore. I had to go to a hospital, and it wasn't the first hospital, and I had been hiding it from everybody for the ninth 9,000th time. and They knew, though. They cornered me. Everybody knew. Uh, yeah, probably. But I also cut everybody out so they couldn't know. Right. You know what I they mean? They just assumed it at that point. My partner was kinda of probably like she would find like a lemon in my bag and be like, Are you melting crack in a spoon with lemons again? You know what I mean? That's <laughs> funny. So that's a
0: serious bottom though. To be dope yeah. sick changing adult diapers. I mean that's like yeah. serious, serious, serious place to cinematic, be cinematic, I call it. Yeah. I can
1: I can feel the shivers in me, you know. And I was never well because I didn't have any money so I was always mildly dope sick at least if not full on and I was stealing her methadone she was on the program she was and she was so good she would take homes and every night for like a year I would crawl over her sleeping body break into her like little Scooby Doo lunch box with a padlock on it and kind of, I had a way of like taking the glue off the label and I would siphon a little into like a medicinal tincture jar. And I did that for a year and I developed like a weird little methadone habit. Right. So dope didn't work. And I kicked for like three months in that fucking hospital. It's like the worst of all worlds. You were in the hospital for three months. No, I was in the hospital for a week, but my legs didn't stop twitching for like three months after right, that. You right, know? right, right, right. It was yeah. brutal. I didn't sleep for weeks. So what was the beginning of the, of the, do you remember the beginning of the recovery? At all, I mean, there's a lot of false starts. I got clean for about a year in my early 20s after treatment. That recovery—that was probably right after you gave me my first dope. It's probably that year. I was probably 22. So when was that?
0: It was. I was. We were. I think we were both.
1: I'm surprised I was giving dope out. So might I'm been sure early. we paid you for it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we're
0: talking about. We were both born. You were born in 1974. 73. Okay, so you're a year older than me. Yeah. Um. But Zev is born in 1974. Yeah. Um. No, it was. It was. I would say I started college in 92, 93 in Ithaca. Me and Zev got kicked out. That's right. Um, but we didn't get kicked out. We transferred before the kickout happened.
1: Very smart. It was awesome. He was all of a sudden not up there anymore. It was both of us. We yeah. did it at the same time. I didn't realize.
0: Um, and we were there. We at purchase. It was the first year of purchase. We had mm. purchased for a year. It was towards the end of the year. And Jay was copying dope and... Zev was, and Zev always wanted you to come by,
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: um, and you came through, and you had this dope, and I'm sure we paid
1: for the dope. Probably, I'm I'm sure we did. Why would a premium price? I'm sure, but like, why wouldn't we? There was my fee as well. Yeah, but and there probably wasn't as much in the bag as there was when I first got it. But we,
0: I mean, I don't know if you thought of this or not. We had never, I had never done it. Zev, I think, had done it. It fucking destroyed me. I was throwing up like the whole night, you know. And it's funny, this newbie. This morning, right, I'm on the train. I take the Long Island Railroad into Mm. Manhattan. And this morning I was on the phone on the train, which is a no-no. Like it's bad (laughs) trains. You don't do that. And I have these Focata Apple earbuds, okay, and I'm on the phone. And I think there was some kind of smell or something on the train. And all of a sudden I got nauseous, Mm. like really nauseous. And I, I recalled all of the nauseous times of using like that like i had a like a, a, a my basic state was nauseous you know what i mean like from the dope from the methadone in the sickness whatever and when when i would do dope for the first time like it was just pure yeah. projectile vomit <laughs> i mean and then whenever i did too much dope i would i would like crave to throw up like i remember oh yeah i, would, I loved throwing up yeah you. i loved it i would get out of the car and be like on the side of the road that was a pro was yeah go. And, and, it's like, and then you feel better.
1: Like stealth puking, very precise. Yeah. But, <laughs>
0: but as soon as you do it, your and you're stomach, high again. Yeah. And your stomach feels good. Yeah. And I'm on the Long Island Railroad today and I was like, I haven't felt this in mm. so long. It was just bizarre.
1: Well, also, that goes away. Yeah. Well, I mean, all, the, the other thing about the chess match is like, it goes away. It all goes away. All the good things go away. It no, like, you can't sustain it.
0: Well, you're talking about a prolonged state of not being able to stay well at all. Because you had no money. You're diluting yeah. your fucking girlfriend's methadone. You know, I mean, and that's, to be honest, God, that's, that's terrible, but that's no better than being in the program. You get the same fucking results. You know what I mean? You're just at some terrible maintain level where you want more. You know, I mean, it was, I, I was in a, a clinic for many, many years in Los Angeles, and I would what I would do is I'd wake up. I would go to bed at nine o'clock at night because I had nothing to live for. All I would live for was was dawn. And at dawn, I would steal ten dollars from my girlfriend. I would cop a balloon or two. I would shoot it. I missed the Black Tower. And then I would go to the methadone clinic. And then I would go through my day, maybe hold to Oh, you to get were some, on the clinic. Yeah, you know, but I would. But if you if you did the dope before you drank the methadone, that was the one moment that you could feel it the most in the day. Oh God, that's dark. Yeah, it was that. It was that, was that kind of time. I would steal her ATM card. Only I wasn't stealing it because she knew that it was happening. You know, I didn't even work at all. It was just it was just one of those things. But um, but my point is like, those even if balloons,
1: they, they were so exotic to me from New York.
0: Oh, man. But it was a whole different thing because yeah. with bags, with glassine bags, no one's taking it out of their fucking mouth to give it to you. That's Be- true. You know what I mean? Because it's not water resistant. They fucking, got it ready to swallow. You know? Yeah. I wonder why that is like that. we Here, like there is no
1: know emergency I move. Huh. I I did around here. I got arrested for copping with my brother and the move was to throw it. Right. While they were chasing me. Right. They pistol whipped my brother. Really, I got arrested twice in the same day in the Lower East Side, not far from like the Beck area, where you used, where we first did, where I first did this podcast with you. And uh, I went to jail for an afternoon, and then got out and copped again, and they busted me again. But I threw it in time for them not to find it. And they let you go after they beat my brother. And your brother's a beautiful, beautiful young man. I know. Did they beat him ugly? They just pistol whipped him, and they mocked him on the street, and told everybody in the neighborhood like. This white motherfucker is here to buy drugs from your kids. And my brother said the entire neighborhood booed him while he, like, shamefully walked home. Was that a true story? Total true story. You were there? No, pre-cell phones. You told me we finally found each other in, you know, Grand Central. and That's hysterical. Yeah. Because you know they didn't boo him. Nobody even listened. I mean, I'm sure he was jeered. Lower East Side in the summer in the late 90s, I'm telling That's you. that, that was a scene. hysterical. That's hysterical. The idea of it is just like, it's a funny scene. It's a funny story. Boo!
0: And they're Especially drunk.
1: if you know him, he's so straight.
0: Oh, yeah. Your brother's like Clark Kent. He is. He, he's totally like that. Now, I have a voicemail. Oh, would you like to hear a voicemail from the Dopey Nation? Please. Okay. Yeah, this is from this guy from Texas named Chris Ironically, Chris is a long time dopey guy. He sent in a few voicemails along the way. Very sweet, sweet character. Mm. Here we go.
4: Hey, what's up, Dave? What's up, Dopey Nation? This is Chris from Austin. It's been a while since I've reached out or sent in any voice memos or anything. So I thought I'd do one now. I'm just driving. And uh, it's been a stressful kind of week for me. My little infant, one-year-old daughter, fell off, fell off of something and gashed her eyebrow open, and we had to go to the emergency room. And uh, she had to get three stitches. And <clears throat> excuse me, uh, guess what they had to do? They had they said we have to d- sedate her a little bit to keep her still. And you'll never guess what the two options were. Option A was fentanyl and Verset in the nose. Or IV Ketamine. Uh, this is for an infant. So, I thought Dave and the Dopey Nation might want to hear that. It threw me off guard. I couldn't imagine giving a baby something like that. But, anyways, we went with the fentanyl and the Verset because it was actually supposedly safer than the Ketamine. So, we've just been getting past that. But, anyways, I just wanted to tell a pretty damn dopey story from uh, back in 2008 when I was in this treatment center. It was like a public detox and uh, government-funded rehab. You could pretty much just go there. Sometimes the court sent people there. It was a 90-day thing. I went there twice, and so I have a bunch of stories from this place. Um, But this one in particular is pretty crazy. So... um, you know, as a drug addict, especially at that time, I just went there to calm my nerves. I didn't, I wasn't trying to really get clean. I was just trying to get off the streets and just take a break for a little while. Maybe I don't know. And I, I had external forces trying to put me in there and everything. Well, anyways, I went, and so you know, as a drug addict, when you're not, when you're abstinent and you're not really wanting to be. I don't know for me I'm always on the lookout. You know, if I see somebody wearing a cast, you know, that means they might have some pain pills or something like that. I'm always looking for opiates. And anyways, um, at this place there was a big medicine cabinet. You were allowed to take medicine there and I think they even well I know that they even had some, you know, people there taking narcotics and stuff. So it wasn't a very strict rule on that. And so Um, They put me in charge of the linens, which was right back there near the medicine cabinet. And honestly, there was no cameras or anything. This is 2008 government-funded rehab. I couldn't fucking believe they had me back there near this medicine cabinet wall. So one day, I was like, okay, nobody's around here. I'm going to dip into this thing real quick and see what's what. And I didn't find any drugs that day, um, but I did find a pack of syringes, which I took a couple. Uh, But anyways... I did notice a lock box inside of the medicine cabinet. And I said, that has to be the narcotic box. it has got to be it. They have to have a key somewhere. So my drug addict scheming mind said, I need to get this key. And so uh, a day or two later, it was actually a few days before I left, I created like a diversion in one of the bathrooms or something there was like one staff member sitting at a desk like right outside this room and i saw to it that the staff member had to go deal with something i don't remember what exactly i did i may have just waited for her to go away but you know i i waited and then i knew her that i see i seen them uh with the keys before they kept them in a desk drawer once she left grabbed the key uh, went back there, opened up the narcotic box, took everything. I got a big old bottle of, of Vicodin, which was really all I really wanted was some, you know, some painkillers. And um, then went and put the key back, and it was, I just felt so slick. <laughs> and it was crazy. And, anyways, I got out a few days later and I was high before I even left. I mean, I was high a lot at that place, but, anyways, so. The terrible part of this story is that I did go back to this rehab after I got my ass whooped on the streets a little bit more. And I wondered where that particular staff member was. And then they were like, oh, I think she got fired or something. And I was like, oh, God. Anyways, not real proud of that, but it is some truly drug addict shit to, like, heist some pills or to, you know, to score like that, especially whenever you're without, you know, so i don't know i thought that was a funny story we also found a wallet at that rehab that happened to have a bag of coke in it which we shot (laughs) i don't know it was just the craziest experience at this treatment center and um but nowadays that was a long time ago i've been in and out since but i've actually got a year and five i'm sorry about 15 months clean so i'm still doing good you know i remember right around the hundredth dopey episode I sent in a dopey episode I sent in a voicemail and I sounded my voice was real shaky and I, I was like 30 days clean and you know I'm doing better now I'm, I'm liking the life of recovery you know it's stressful sometimes but it's worth it so thanks Dopey Nation thanks Dopey Nation Facebook page I like getting on that and thanks Dave for keep doing Dopey and Chris fucking asshole I miss you and um Peace out. Toodles. Oh, and stay strong. Love that guy,
0: Chris. Yeah. Such a sweet, 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 sweet voice. That was heartwarming. And uh, so happy. He's got some time. Yeah. And I love, I mean, it's selfish and kind of weird, egoy mm-hmm. thing, but I love people who can measure their time against the podcast time and they start listening to it and you know i don't i do not take any credit for anybody except one guy who says dopey saved his life god (laughs) bless you randy wherever you are um but chris has been around you know forever i guess he's in and out he's 15 months he's a little kid Mm. you know what a crazy story though
1: that's so good to hear i I have many friends who are new fathers and it's definitely the hardest thing for their recovery
0: oh dude my my kid you know, I never like got confused between my daughter and my higher power, mm. but some people can 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 mm-hmm. think that's what it was. Mm. But I I was not aware of who I wanted to be or or who I didn't want to be before I had the kid, mm. and um, I remember, um, thank God. I mean, fucking me and my dad would drive to Long Island to take care of the Nora when she was a baby. Mm-hmm. And we were cheap I guess I was cheap, my dad was kind of cheap And we didn't buy a car seat for his car and, and, and it was like court ordered that he would bring me up there Amazing. to To pay attention to, to me and her You know, to be the monitor or whatever So we're, we're, we drive back to Linda's apartment And Nora's too And we're taking the car seat out of the car And, and, and Linda lives in these city apartments That she wound up living in for a <clears> long time We just <throat> moved out of them just now yeah. And uh, we put the car seat on the curb. And Nora wanders up to the curb at two years old. And, and the car seat's just there. And she steps on the edge of the car seat. The whole thing flips. And Nora's head oh, God. bangs into the <clears> curb. <throat> As this happens, Linda pulls up. I pick Nora up. Blood is gushing out of her head. Linda's pulling up, and she's just trusting me, you know, this drug addict, with her daughter. She pulls up. There's blood everywhere. She's freaking out, and um, it was weird. I mean, it just showed, like, it kind of foreshadowed our relationship because my dad wound up going home, and me and Linda wound up taking Nora to the hospital. And they didn't fucking give her shit, you know what I mean? And she was all no fentanyl for her. And she didn't get fentanyl. What was the other one? Viset? What is that? I didn't know. her. That's one I didn't know. And um, no, they didn't. And, and then another time, she fell down and she fucking cut her head open on a, with her grandparents. Thank God that wasn't my fault. Um, and they didn't give her anything for that either.
1: But also, new fathers—they don't sleep. It's really hard to get to your regular meeting schedule. It's just a really tough time. You're in the gauntlet, I call it.
0: I don't know I mean like I think I might I think I'm a great father But like I don't Like if I'm working Linda deals with the baby at night Like it's understood Sure Like Because we have a baby A little baby Yeah Um, It is There is no time There is no time for you The only time for me Like for example Yesterday was my day off And my me time Was shipping out Fucking dopey packages I get it Yeah That was my big me time
1: I mean it's selflessness it's like like we were talking earlier, I don't have any kids, but I have a stepdaughter. It' just got a little glimpse of what it was like to be my parents, and I immediately made yet another amends to them, so it's like there's just perspective you get where the world isn't about you i I really am actually jealous of, of new parents because they get this like radical it's not about me anymore kind of perspective, which is pretty honest
0: yeah, yeah it's right there, it's right in your face, and like they their
1: needs. Are definitely like supersede yours, and it's which is the way Earth was before your kid right it's just you know you just didn't realize Junkies it. don't progress
0: past the kid part right it's it's it but it's like we talked about this a bunch of times on the show how like and God bless everybody, you know, but there's a ton of people who don't get to make that shift when they have kids and um I mean, one thing I always believe, and I say this all the time, is that I think anybody, no matter how far gone they are, or no matter where they are, or how many kids they don't take care of, mm. they can come back.
1: Oh my God! You know, yeah, there
0: is a great comeback story in everybody. Like, and I like that's my favorite thing.
1: Most I of us are comebacks. Exactly. Exactly. Some, if the story, if the story's not a good ending, it's not over, man. Wow. Well, Just keep trying. Yeah. Um... It's not entirely true, I know, but
0: it just—it's just so sad what happened to to our friend, to I Chris, know. you know, and and to Todd, you know, like and to everybody else that died. But like Chris and Todd's, you know, their epic place in my life has eclipsed all the other casualties. You know, there were a bunch of other dopey casualties. There was this guy, there was this guy Dave Marshall, who was Chris's friend. There was this guy Andrew, who was like going to be our intern, and I, I met him for coffee, and the next day he overdosed. It was like just so Jesus. sad. Um but I want to shift gears for a second here cuz it is there's a couple more things I want to talk about and, okay. we're, and we're and we're like kind <clears> of <throat> like in the play cuz like I think I'm going to get Chris's girlfriend or Chris's you can't call her, her ex-girlfriend if he's dead.
1: That's a really good question. I don't know.
0: Um, it's not widow. It's not widow, but they, they they definitely treated Annie like she was like John of, like I I always made fun of her and called her like uh, Jackie O'Nassis and she's from uh I don't remember where she's from. I think she's from Venezuela. He had like a young Kennedy look, Chris. Yeah, yeah. he was like that. But she never got the reference. When I would, and she was like, what are you talking about? Um, but, so I think she's going to come on because we're going to talk a little bit more about Amazing. missing Chris. Because um, it is Christmas, after all. That's right. It's actually Chris Mass, not Christmas. Okay. Oh, and another weird thing that, Dobie, that the Dobie Nation should know is that Jay has the same birthday that Chris had. I know. Why does that, why does that make you sad?
1: Because he died. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm just sad when I think about him. And also he passed not far from my birthday. Yeah. That's true. How old was he? Thirty-four?
0: He was thirty four. Yeah. He was ten years younger than me. Um I remember I was listening to the episode you were on and he was like he was like, Jay seems so much more together than you, Dave. And he's so much better looking. It was like he's so fu- it was like he's so funny on there. Um but uh yeah. One thing I want to talk about. If I could go back to 34, there was so much beautiful life in your 30s. Oh, dude, when I was 34, I was a fucking train wreck. I was the most, that
1: was like the pinnacle of life. If you can be clean for your 30s, oh my God, it's so epic. Was it great? Oh my God. Because I got clean at 27, which I thought was old but is not. Having, being at the height of your, like, I don't mean new clean, I mean like five to 10 years clean as a fully formed adult at the height of your powers still in rock bands the 30s are really beautiful you're not old you're not young you have experience yeah you are not. You still look good you can pass you for can young you can still be young exactly that's great yeah so here
0: that's, that is something for all of you guys who are in your 20s more carrots to dangle my friends and dude if you're in your 40s being clean in your 40s is good too even in your 50s, I bet it's
1: Being good. dirty in your 50s and 60s is horrible. Terrible. Don't do it. It's just, it's got to be bad. <laughs> You're like that um, guy then.
0: It could happen to us. It could happen. Yeah. You know? Very easily. Um, but like, it's a nice carrot to dangle. I like that. But my point was, it's fucking Christmas. And billions of people are just going out left and right over the holidays. Did you ever have any like holiday malaise? Do you have any holiday oh. dopiness to talk about?
1: I mean, I certainly have been like dope sick during the holidays. Yeah, I used to, I wanted to write a song called Junkie Christmas at one point, but I never got around to it. Trying to remember. Yeah, I mean, just like scraping bags on Christmas Eve, you know, or going to visit my parents and me and my ex saying fuck it and like calling the guy on the way there. And the only thing we had to shoot up was the water I had in the car to keep the the radiator was leaking. Wow! So we use radiator water, you know. And then what an asshole I must! I don't remember it. It must have been such a like speedballing at Christmas Eve in a big Italian family. Right? Who does that? Who eats the seven fishes? Then not me. That's funny. They must have been so worried about. What are the seven fishes? I don't know. And the number keeps changing. I can never keep straight. It's like whatever's on sale in my family.
0: I remember the last Christmas. I'm Jewish, obviously. Um, to anybody who's not listening, I'm Jewish, <laughs> uh, or hasn't listened before, um, so it, was, it wouldn't be obvious unless you listened. So it's but not it, obvious. It's not obvious through the thing. If you see me, it's more obvious. <laughs> I um, but I always went to this guy's house uh, for Christmas. My, my a Filipino. So you didn't friend. celebrate any Christmas here. No. Okay. No, we very Jewish. No God. Christmas. <clears throat> my sister always wanted a Christmas tree, and we would never get mm-hmm. a Christmas tree. Because um, some Jews do Some Jews do New They York, call them fake
1: Jews Yeah, New York Jews are, This is a term for it
0: um, But uh, fucking every year I went to Christmas uh, In Stuyvesant Town At my Filipino friends And um, every year Until I got a terrible dope habit And uh, and then I didn't go for I want to say 13 years mm. I didn't go And I moved to California And I moved back And I went and uh, And I was off I was off I still smoked weed And then The next year I still smoked weed And I went And then the next year I was I was relapsing Like I was relapsing bad And I went to Christmas And in that little pocket In my jeans It was just loaded With dope I I probably had a bundle And and some Xanax And I was at that party And I didn't do it Because I didn't want to like I was I wasn't sick or anything I was just so excited To leave and go home oh my God, and get high. Like I had like the secret in my pocket.
1: Uh, I remember that. And
0: I was so excited. It's really well put to, to walk home. Like mm-hmm. and the, and the, the the Christmas carols are in my head because mm-hmm. I'm so excited to fucking get high. You know. Um, and that's just a piece of the. I mean, that's just it was a piece of my using. I remember also And this was like for some reason this story. It's not really even a story, and it's like really kind of glorification. But like it just. I, I can never Let go of it When I And I I think I've told it On Dopey before But when I was living In Los Angeles Like I would always Wake up Before the sun Would come up To go score When their were people who Weren't scoring The only people there Were the methadone guys Like the really Hardcore guys You know Because I didn't Want to get You know Busted I didn't mm. want to Be around commuters I wanted to be yeah. there like when it was just so safe, it was like basically the middle of the night, which is why you went to bed at nine. Yeah, I would go, I would go to bed. You're strategic. Yeah, as soon as I could, and yeah. when I woke up, I was so excited, you know. And it was every day time. was Christmas for you. <laughs> it might not have been Christmas, but it might have been every day was Christmas. But there was a blind guy that sold dope in downtown Los Angeles. And it was like, I don't remember exactly where it was. You drive down the 10 past downtown Los Angeles and you're like in a different part of downtown Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I couldn't, people ask me like, where did I go to detox? Where did I do this? I don't remember any of it. I don't remember shit about Los Angeles. Like, That's amazing. But um, the fucking heroin dealer was blind and his name was Sergio. Okay. Uh, of course. So when I would drive home. I feel like I've known Sergio's. I would sing, let it snow. But I would substitute Sergio for let i go, Sergio, Sergio, Sergio. Oh my god. And uh and like and I was be I'd be beaming driving back from copping. You know, and like and that's the thing. It's like that's the beginning. And when you're sick and you ha- and you have some, life is good. But until you realize that Everything is misery, nothing's really good. But to 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 do a podcast about drug addiction and not talk about that excitement. Oh my
1: god, of course.
0: Right? That's why we're all we all know each other. Right. That's what we've been through. That's the cathartic nature of our recovery.
1: And like that thing that this is the I have that thing, it moves around in life. It was dope. It'll become other things. Right. It's the girl. It's the job. Like the stash, you know what I mean? Like that's why I went to so many other programs. It doesn't... I don't know. It it It's a... If you can point that thing in the area of, like, good things, it's super powerful. We're, like, super people. Imagine it wasn't dope and it was, like, philanthropy. Then you're Bill Gates. Right. The, the, Before the he in was in your
0: pocket. Whatever. Yeah. For me, I mean, right now, it's dopey. Exactly. You know?
1: Which um, is service.
0: Which is... Some, yeah it's sometimes it 's self service and sometimes it 's other service and it like it makes me happy
1: as annoying as Bill W is to me these days it's it 's brilliant you know he figured out that if we help people we get helped if we get if we get something when we give something it 's the perfect junkie math it 's like the only way to feel okay is to give things it 's Brilliant
0: Right And you have to actually Get to the point where, where you can internalize it And you can actually Quantify what you're getting Based on what you're giving
1: Yeah And, and it's like weird You run to the newcomer Because you had a bad day You yeah. know what I mean Because it, it's, it's like
0: The weird gift That keeps on giving But like But that's okay You know what I mean Because if you're, if you're Actually like Hooking somebody up And you're getting The byproduct Of, of, of helping them Like that's fucking It is genius
1: It's weird And it's definitely, I called it, it's this weird recovery Aikido. Because it doesn't feel intuitive. It doesn't feel like that would ever make any sense. But there's something about it. I can't put my finger on it. And I'm like more or less still an atheist. I don't, I don't, like, I was abused by priests. I don't, of the, you know, 12 steps is great for me. I don't believe in like some mystical mumbo jumbo. There is a magical thing about community and like addicts who get the thing in your pocket thing. You know, like people who get that and the stomach flip or whatever, I don't know, it's like a real tribal thing. It's super powerful and it can stop addiction. Which nothing can, but that can. It's weird. Right on. You can hear my voice is going. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, if you guys didn't know, Jay's very ill, but that's the
0: kind of that's the kind of service fucking addict in recovery that Jay is. He's like fuck it, I've been worse than this and I'm and you wanted to do it. cuz yeah. Jay the other thing about Jay, I was I, I like it was a month ago and I was fucking paranoid about where I was going to get a guest and Aww. Jay's always in my pocket. Yeah, you're one of my secrets in
1: my pocket. I'm close by. I'm in that little pocket now. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I was like, finally, I'm going to unleash the recovery and the addiction that is Jay. And I text him, and he's like,
1: I like to schedule things far in advance. <laughs> and uh, my DA sponsor has got me so like. G called out. Yeah, I'm in this whole new thing. You happen to catch me when I'm a newcomer in another program,
0: but it worked out. And then you you held the date. Oh my god! You yeah. know, and I'm terrible about that. Mm. I'm like fuck it. You know, maybe I don't want to do it then. But I but I I love Jay and like and it's Jay Jay is somebody that like fucking like we never spent time together but we did in periphery and i always had a place you know like this place of who you were in my head and my heart and it was like how i was describing the other jason before i always mm-hmm. felt the same way about yeah ago. and um you know i only get to see you on social media and shit but that's because i live very far away if i still lived here i would make it my business to go to brooklyn and, that'd be great and do we'd it love like to have you there. um but thanks for coming on, man. Man,
1: it is my sincere pleasure.
0: If he wasn't all fucked up, we'd be doing some ripping. Would you have done? Do you know it's Christmas? Oh my God! Do yeah. you like that song?
1: You mean the the hilarious '80s song? Yeah, the Band Aid song. Yeah, I would. It's a beautiful song. It's ridiculous and super condescending.
0: Yeah, it really is. <laughs>
1: Maybe next Christmas, okay. Jay will
0: do. Do you know it's Christmas with me?
1: Can we call, or we can just come up. With- we can call it Junky Christmas. I always want to do something called Junky Christmas.
0: So you want to write a song called Junky Christmas for next Maybe we should. I was gonna do some kinda of like uh some kind of dopey Christmas. Like I had a I had a parody in my head, but I forgot what it was now.
1: Well, I'm available for production.
0: All right. Next year, look for the Dopey Christmas album dropping in December of twenty nineteen. And um stay strong. Yeah, guys. And I think We're not going to say goodbye, because I think I'm going to have Annie call in. Epic. Yeah, could be. But thank you for coming up.
1: It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Always. Bye, Dopey Nation.
0: Bye, Jay. (laughs) So that was Anonymous Jay, a fucking bastion of dopey and recovery. And for all of the people who are keeping score, uh, a few episodes ago on episode 162, we played... Uh, Trials and Tribulations Which I was actually supposed to say for the Christmas episode That was Jay Look at all the trials and tribulations Sinking in a gentle pool of wine Anyway, that was Jay So we're going to move on with this dopey Christmas episode And we're going to call up Annie and check in with her Just in case you didn't know what we were going to do That's what we're going to do hello hey Annie how you doing hi good and you I'm all alright you're on the show as I said and we're checking in around the holidays and everybody um, you know everybody misses Chris obviously Um, yeah and I'm sure you miss Chris much more than the people who listen to the show so how Mm -hmm. are you doing I'm doing
5: great I want to say hi to everybody um, so, I was actually thinking, you know, yesterday, uh, was, uh, marked five months since Chris had passed away.
0: Yesterday was five um, months?
5: yeah, yesterday was five months. Um, I can't believe it's been that long already. It's one of those things that, as time goes by, it becomes very obvious that you do become functional again, um... Like you can go about your day; you're not in constant pain, but, but um, I guess I guess you're still in pain, but you get used to it.
0: It's a lingering. And, uh, it's a lingering thing.
5: Yeah, exactly. It's lingering, and um, then you remember. Like I can go about my day, and then for, for moments, I I forget, and then I remember, and um, you know, it's like it happened yesterday. I, I miss him just as much as I missed him before. Um it hurts to not have him just as much. Like I just kinda accept the new reality and then like move on in terms of go by your day, do the things that you need to do. Um and you're not I mean you're not not depressed or sad all the time. Um but it's just it's just like this lingering feeling like something's missing, like well, There's something definitely something big missing. Yeah, you
0: know, it's like a phantom limb or something. It's a phantom. Exactly. It's that,
5: a, that's a great, that's a great uh, analogy like
0: that. Well, it's like that. I mean, like, I know you and me have it way different with this. In some ways it's similar yeah. and in some ways it's different. Um, I have these weird sort of moments, um, you know, preparing the show or even at work. Sometimes I'll be at work. And I'll think about Chris or I'll think about Todd and I can imagine them coming in because they would come into my job all the time and how regular it was and how, how fun it was when they would come in and that they're not going to come in again. Um, and just, I was talking about it earlier on this episode because people are constantly sending me, I mean, I know they're not doing this to you and you're lucky. They're constantly Uh sending me dopey episodes where Chris oh God, yeah. where Chris said something that was particularly fucked up uh because of the <laughs> circumstance. Um yeah. so like I was talking about it earlier on the show that somebody sent me a link to the hundredth episode, right? And in the uh-huh. and in the beginning of the hundredth episode, I don't know, like ten minutes in, Chris is talking uh-huh. about um what would happen if he relapsed, you know? And oh, uh real what, and he,
5: what? I mean, besides the fact that
0: he probably said he would die. Well, no, Uh no. The first thing he said is, whatever, I would just do the same thing as I always do. I'd go to treatment, and then I'd wind up in this place or that place. And then he's like very nonchalantly says, or maybe I would die, you know?
3: Yeah.
0: And and it's like, it's such a fucking abstract concept when you're talking Uh like that, you know? And Uh it's like, and here we are. We live with... You don't think about how death is forever for the living, you know?
5: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's very final. Um, I, I've i tried several times to listen to the Dopey episodes, and I've listened to a few of them, uh, but uh, I, I, I try not to. Um, I think at some point I'll be ready for that.
0: I don't think so. Um, I mean, it's like...
3: because but not it, yet.
0: It's like, it's like, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me what? of like those stories of the towns that would exist near a volcano or, or near Hiroshima <laughs> and like yeah. the people are just yeah. going about their business and then all of a sudden they're all gone. And that's what it was yeah. like with Chris in the show because.
5: Well, I, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I feel like the stories for me at least were funny when, when he can look back at them and say, okay, I survived them all, I'm still here. They're just more, they feel a little bit morbid now to me, because I I hear the stories and all I can see is, like, well, like, my first thought is, well, you had no fucking chance, (laughs) you know, like, it's just kind of, like, one more thing that you did that was really fucked up, one more thing that happened that was really fucked up, and you just got
3: really lucky, that you survived it until you didn't anymore.
5: Yeah,
0: That's, it's that's like, how it feels to me. I feel like it's it needs to be a, a cautionary tale to everybody oh, that listens because I know that when I was using, and I would say I could die, I could die, I could die, um, that I didn't really think I could die, you know?
3: Yeah. Or
0: maybe I yeah. thought I could die, but I didn't know what it would look like. And I think... You know, I didn't tell you about this, and I talked about it earlier this episode. Also, I, w- I should have saved this uh-huh. for you, but um, uh-huh. there was a post on Reddit supposing uh-huh. that that Cr- that Chris didn't die. That this was something that me and him, <laughs> me and him, concocted so he could go on with his professional life, and Dopey could have a lesson. <laughs> you know, with...
3: uh, wouldn't that be amazing?
0: Wouldn't that be amazing? Exactly. Yeah.
3: Exactly. That would be.
5: That would be like I. What would not I give? to have that be the reality, you know? I think I think holidays are particularly tough because all I can think about is how this holiday would be so much different than it is if he was still around. Um, I think about all the plans we had made for this holiday and he's not around anymore. Um, to see those plans through, um, it's very, very hard. I you know, sometimes during my day for a split of a second, I forget that he's not around anymore and something happens and I'm like, oh, I need to tell Chris about it. Or I wonder what Chris would say about this. And then, you know, the, the reality that he's not here anymore and that he's very irreplaceable. And, and I think that's really hard because I'm old enough and I've been in enough relationships to know that the type of connection and relationship I had with him, it's not something that comes around Often, and it would never come around again for me. So um, it, that's hard. It's hard to feel like I, I, I can't replace the relationship I had with him and, and when like the 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 sort of like non you know the, the type of communication that we had that was not necessarily about words, you know, that, that he knew what I was thinking just by looking at me, or that we would watch TV and something would happen. Or we would hear somebody tell a story and he would look at me a certain way and I knew what he was thinking and he knew what I was thinking. Um, you know, having met somebody that you have values that align with each other. I mean, so many things that I feel like like it's, it's irreplaceable. Like I'm never going to be able to replace him with anything. So. Um, I think work is one of the trick now where I can replace some of that um, grief and loneliness with like the companionship or and the and the feelings of 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 gratitude that come with like talking with a lot of patients and seeing patients every day. right um, but' not to the same degree, right? because, I provide care for people, but I don't feel like they necessarily can take care of me the way that Chris did. So, right, um, it, it is it is really hard in the ho- during the holidays. So I, I miss him so much. Yeah. Um, it's almost like harder now because, it, it, you know, when enough time has passed, you can process emotion better, right? At first, there's so much denial, there's so much shock, like you can't quite process anything. The time goes by, you, you you process things, and then you realize you're having these thoughts of, "Oh, that's never going to happen. This other thing is never going to happen. What am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about now? About about that?" Right. Like, the realization that he's truly gone, and with him, a life of possibilities and plans is also gone. You know, it's 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 everything that that this tragedy took from not only from me, from everybody that knew him, and from him most importantly.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I, I I think that when he died, I felt you know crazy shock uh, and denial. Yeah. Like you know, the biggest yeah. denial I could have ever really yeah, imagined. I remember, yeah. Um, But yeah. it was quickly it quickly became you know fear and anger and, uh, and anger has dipped into sadness here and there, but I'm still incredibly angry about it, you know, personally, um, you know, because he knew better, you know, it's like, it's as he knew better and, um, I'm angry at him. You know what I mean? And like, that'll, that'll change eventually. I'm sure. Um, but you know, eventually it will change. I'm still angry at him because I miss him. And because, of course. because, of course. um, you know, it's like not, the, it's obviously, I cannot compare my loss with your loss, uh, but yeah. like me and him shared this thing, uh, that's still chugging along without him. And, um, yeah. you know, it's just weird. Like, um, I had, yeah, to, it's, what are you going to say?
5: You're never
0: going to really going to get used to doing it without him. Well, to be honest though, I'm get, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty used to doing it without him, but it makes me angry as hell because I love doing it with him. It was so much fun Uh, and it was so stupid and it was so, it was beautiful. You know what I mean? Like it was a beautiful thing and we were, and I was very fortunate that I got to be able to make the show with him. You know what I mean? And I'm sure you feel the same way. You know, like I know that Chris, Chris didn't take care of me, but, um, You know, and he wasn't my boyfriend, but he was my brother and I loved him. And, uh, and I loved sharing this thing that we had made. It was just fucking the best. And I'm super angry that he's fucking gone, you know? And, and I think that everybody out there that's getting high that wants to live should really consider potential outcomes in this thing. You know, if you want to die by all means, you know, think about your family. Think about your your partner. But if you want to live, just know that Chris had no intention of dying. Right? I mean. Oh
5: yeah, no, no. I mean, I think. I think what's really hard about this is that uh, addiction is not a black and white um, situation, right? It's not like, okay, well. You know, like, they're not giving you a terminal diagnosis of cancer. You're going to die. You have three months to live. But it is like that in the sense that if you are an addict actively using, you might as well be given a terminal diagnosis because you can really die at any time. It's just that you always think you're going to be that person that is not going to die, and eventually you're going to get clean. I've never had an addict that that has told me that they... Are planning on never quitting. You know, every addict at some point plans on quitting. Um, and I think, I think the most harmful thought that anybody that's an addict can have it. Well, not today, tomorrow, or when when this thing happened, or when this other thing happened. Like then I'll quit. Um, and then that tomorrow may never come. You know that mentality. of, just one more hit just one more time just one
0: last time well it's also very and then you know, hard at, at, be that last time right but it th- the other thing though that's just fucking weird is that you don't get high like it's life or death do you know what i'm saying you get yeah. high like you're yeah. getting high you're not getting high like well, maybe I'm gonna die. You're getting high. You know what I mean? It's like,
5: uh, yeah, it, yeah. There's not a lot of thinking through. Yeah,
0: it's just weird. You know what I mean? I know that sounds trite, but it's weird that that the outcome could be like because it starts off like you're having a drink with your friends, and somehow it turns uh-huh. into this fucking crippling, uh, life changing, sad and lonely obsession. That you never give up. And then all of a sudden, it's the thing that killed you. It's the thing that cost you your job. It's the thing that cost you your place. It's the thing that cost you your whole uh, happiness. And, and with Chris, it cost him his life. It cost you your partner. It cost me my dopey partner. It cost us our friend. It cost their family, their son. You know? Yeah. It's like yeah. the ripples of his using are, are just felt. And I think, if nothing else, I think, uh, you know, this is my weird Christmas episode, and, um, uh-huh. and I, wanted, yeah. I wanted it to go out there. Like, I wanted to hear from you, and I know everybody wants to hear from you, so it's nice to hear your voice. Um,
3: Thank
5: you.
0: I feel like your accent is somehow dissipating. Do you feel like your accent is <laughs> dissipating?
5: No. I get, I get compliments about my accent all the time from my patients.
0: Where are you from? Do are I you from Venezuela.
5: Venezuela, yeah. Okay, good. that's what really I said. Yeah, born and raised. Um, I mean, I, I I try. You know, um, Chris, Our Arden, Chris's sister, um, told me that every day she tries to do something to kind of celebrate Chris in some way. Um, to kind of take that you know legacy that he 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 gave us even in his death. Um, and pass it along. Um, and, you know, I've had a particularly hard week in the hospital. Um, I've had several patients die. I've, I've dealt with many patients that are hospitalized um, and with a lot of issues, many partially due to addiction problems and substance abuse. And, um, you know, I, I, more than once I've thought, well, what would Chris do? Right, and uh, he would do what he does. He's just, you know, something I realized is weak is is how empathetic he was, how good he was at making other people feel comfortable. Yeah. Um. And um. And then I started thinking, you know, was he always like that, or, or did that come from the place of, did he develop that empathy because he was in that place where he suffered for so long. Um. And and he felt so completely like outcast, like an outcast, you know. Because when you when you are suffering from a disease, that everybody kind of almost feels the right to tell you that you don't have the right to suffer from the disease, you know, like that you don't have the right to empathy, that you don't have the right to treatment, that you don't deserve to get better uh, because it's your choice and it's your fault. Um. I think I think for a lot of people that could make them bitter or that could make them
3: be um, really angry and
5: mad at the world. Yeah, right. And, and you know, Chris wasn't angry, or mad at the world. I
0: think I think he was naturally empathetic. I think even if he hadn't yeah. been this fuck up addict of the first degree. <laughs> He was a naturally yeah. empathetic person. He was a naturally yeah. caring person. He was an overly kind yeah. person. He loved people. Yeah. He loved to be yeah. in the mix. You know, as much as yeah. he hated like socializing, he loved talking to people, you know? Yeah. So Yeah, oh
5: God I miss him so much.
0: You know, I I don't want to make this super sad. You know, even though of course it is. No, it it is. It it can't not be super sad. It's bittersweet. It's you know. And what I was going to say before, and you don't need to hear this, but I'm going to say it anyway, is like Mm -hmm. you'll never replace him. But
5: oh, of course not. I know that.
0: But life will go on, and and somebody, and you know, people. You we life is an amazing thing, and you never know who's going to bump into you. You never know what's going to happen. And, um, and, and I know that, uh, you know, Chris was not your only ticket to happiness. I'm just going to say that. As, as cold and as fucked up as that mm-hmm. might sound, I, I know that there's, I think there's infinite possibilities of happiness, you know, frankly. I, I want yes, to tell, tell you this weird thing that I always, that I think about with Chris all the time. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah.
0: And uh, so right, it was right when Todd died. And Chris was still alive, but Chris was using, and I didn't realize it. Um,
3: yeah,
0: and I went to Todd's funeral, okay, and okay. um, or I went to to go visit his grave with his friends. They had just buried him, okay. and um, and I was talking with Linda about it, and Todd had these very. Dark blue eyes, kind of thing, kind of like a baby, kind of like that blue gray Uh eyes that a baby has. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Uh we were talking about it. uh, How like another one of Todd's friends was like, "Well, Todd was always a baby, and his eyes never changed, and that's why he was uh, like a baby." You know, and I thought that was funny. And, And we drove out there, and then I drove with one of his stoner friends to the grave. And it was this kid, Sean. I mean, Sean is a 44 yeah. year old man now, but I always say this kid, Sean. <laughs> this and, kid um, and I'm driving with Sean and I said, and and it had happened when I was looking into my baby's eyes that I was sure that Todd was looking at me and, oh,
3: that's so
0: beautiful. and, and I said to Sean, I said, imagine if it was a, a science fiction movie where dead people could visit the world through the eyes of a baby and they could oh, go
3: amazing.
0: and they could go from baby to baby until the baby starts thinking you know that the baby can be a, 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 <laughs> a portal and and, and oh, i
3: pretty sure. i'm pretty
0: sure you know what I'm saying? All into that. <laughs> yeah. and, and Sean looks at me and he goes, "That's the coolest idea I ever heard." You know, and and, and I knew Chris would have loved it too. But I think about yeah. that all the time. And when I look into my baby's eyes now, I think about Chris. You know, often, mm-hmm. and she lights up and smiles and laughs as though it's Chris laughing at me. You know, it's like, yeah. it's crazy. And it's like, it's a pretty cool concept. Like, it would be a pretty cool movie, like some kind of weird, you know what I mean? Like sci-fi the way. Sci-fi movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just, it, it reminds me of him. And it just, there's just some, I i don't know. You know, I figured you could appreciate it.
5: I, I, I do, actually. I always, you know, I, I would always tell him how much I loved his eyes. Because um, they were very much like, like the little kids like, eyes, just, just, just beautiful, and, um, he would always say, oh, there's nothing special about my eyes, there's just generic brown eyes, I mean, there was nothing generic about that kid, um, but, yeah, like, I constantly, that's one of the things I miss about him, and I, and I think about it a lot, his eyes, his smile, and his eyes, like, there was something so honest about, about them.
0: Yeah, he, Um, he was, like, the most... He was like a conundrum. He was like the most honest, dishonest person and like the smartest, dumb person, the dumbest smart person, (laughs) you know what I mean? He was like that. That was, that was his, his thing, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I
5: constantly think about the last month the last couple of months before he passed when he was using it. Not only you didn't notice, I didn't notice, you know, and
0: we both you noticed, though.
3: No, you don't. I
5: mean, it's kind of like we all noticed but didn't notice at the same time, you know. And there's just like um, underlying guilt that I've had to deal with this past few months of what if I would have done that way? How did night I? You know, like on <laughs> retrospect, you know, a, a, a vision's twenty twenty. Like it's so obvious that like he was he was using, but you know, it's like. This, this guilt for not being able to reach him, you know, for not being able to see it more clearly. And and even though I did see it towards the end, it's like it was too late. Like, he knew he was caught. And, um, I, you know, I always wonder, like, what life would look like if he hadn't passed. Um, if he had Jesus, it would have been just a relapse and he hadn't passed. Um...
0: Right, and he, and he, we'll and he got to start over, we'll or whatever,
5: yeah, exactly. We'll never know. um, life is what it is now, um, and with time, obviously, like, and accepting that it was his choice, and you know, it's not something that it, that it was like, oh, like Chris started doing drugs three months ago. no, I mean, like there's been a pretty and if you're a dopey listener, you know there's been a pretty long, intense history behind it. So it's for a lot of people, like, this should have happened
0: a long time ago. Well, um, you know, I mean, how many people get to use and not die? Hold on for one second, please. Uh-huh. I, I, I look at Instagram sometimes, and I look at uh, when I wrote you on Instagram, and it was July 2nd. I I looked at it uh-huh. the other day, and I looked at it July second. Yeah. I wrote you on Instagram, and I said, "Can I talk to you?" You know, um, uh-huh. and I, I remember that like it was yesterday because I was standing man. at hey, the man. meat cutters at work, and I was freaking out about Chris, and you called me, and um, and and then he called me right before you did and he was like why are you calling Annie everything's fine everything's fine everything's fine you know and I, be- and I don't know yeah. how I could believe him you know yeah. and it's like yeah, it's, it's just I it, it just makes me crazy that none of us we all saw it but none of us saw it none of us you know we all are around addiction but none of us thought he was gonna die you know or whatever yeah. whatever whatever that means yeah. and, and like, and we all pay the price that he's gone forever you know because you don't know what forever yeah. is. It's just weird.
3: Yeah.
0: It's sad. You know, it's obviously sad. It's obviously just a tragedy that we're trying to make sense of. Um,
5: I just, I just really hope that somehow I can really help people and make a difference. You know, I, I constantly think. And this is a thought. I'm no by any means saying that this is the reality of most people, some people because I know that a lot of people get clean and manage to stay clean. Um, but it's just like losing him, especially with my career choice and seeing addicts day in and day out. Like, I start questioning. And I think it's an important things to question. Like, how effective am I? How many people am I truly helping? Are we really helping people, you know? Um, is, is it worth it? put in all this effort? Like, are we really making a difference? I mean, I don't have actually, like, objective answers to that. I don't have numbers or studies to say, yes, we are. Um, If anything, the numbers suggest we are not. Right. But, you know what, like, in days like that, I just think what we do, you know, like he was a great advocate to this and we just keep going and we just fight with whatever we got because that's what you do when things get hard. Um, and I know you miss him. I know everybody listening misses him. Um, and people have asked me a lot what he was like um, in his personal life outside of like maybe dopey or outside of school or outside of work and honestly he was exactly the same yeah exactly the same so the, the person that you met through this podcast is the same person that I knew you know like there's really not a the whole other side of him that people didn't know well
0: you know. I think I think that's also why he loved doing the podcast so much like you know yeah. like if you saw him on like one of those like when he would make his TV appearances that was not like Chris. You know what I mean. That the hair was yeah. definitely not him. That was like, but that just wasn't like him. You know what I mean. He was like, <laughs> like Chris was like super smart, but just as stupid and so funny. You know what I mean. He would undo he whatever so he said. He was just it makes so you funny.
3: Humor so much.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, I had this other dream the other night. I actually mm-hmm. like I, sometimes, and the Dopey Nation knows this, but when I get sick, I take Nyquil uh, to sleep yeah. well. And yeah. and when I take NyQuil, I have these crazy dreams, and <laughs> uh, and I recently took NyQuil, and I had this dream with Chris, and yeah. um and I could hear his voice in the dream, like it was very Are real. You, he yeah. he was really angry at me in the dream that oh, really? that what? I that I didn't tell him to stop using that how could or how could I how could I keep going? Not with dopey. I think it was more like. He kind of, like, pinned his death on me in the dream. You know, like, he was, you know how, like, sometimes he would get irrationally angry at, like, some... Oh, oh
5: totally, I know that, too.
0: Like, and then you could, you could turn him around in the conversation. You could yeah. just laugh at him, yeah. and you could turn him around.
5: Yeah, because what else are you
3: going to do when he said something
0: crazy? He would say crazy shit. When, when his back was against the wall, he would call it mudslinging. Oh, yeah. That's when he would mudsling against you. And then in the dream, it was like that. Yeah. And, but it was crazy, because when I woke up, you know, I had been with Chris in the dream. He was there, you know? Uh, and that's uh, some... And that, yeah, some, I, were you
3: and that say, keep going.
0: That was just something very beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, that yeah, he can yeah, exist. You know, he can fully in exist dream. in the dream. Yeah. You know, and he did.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I've had so many dreams like that. I haven't had many dreams like that um, lately. um, They are not... Artists. They don't come as often, they don't happen as often, but when they do happen, it's, like, such a gift, you know, because he really is, you know, it's, like, and for me, it's, you know, people sometimes believe that dreams are the death part trying to talk to you. Like, I don't necessarily believe that. I feel like it's your subconscious, like, trying to process things and reconstructing a person, you know, in your dreams. But it's just so amazing how your subconscious, while well, your dream can reconstruct somebody so much, like, you remember that. It's amazing. You know, every single dream I've had with him, he's just saying what I think he would say in the way that he would say it.
3: Yeah. Just, yeah.
5: Just so perfectly accurate. Um, yeah. Like, I go to bed every night hoping I have a dream about him, where he visits me in my dreams. And it's truly it's really a treat when that does happen.
0: I used to have that with my mother. Like when I would have yeah. a dream with my mother and it they were always the weirdest dreams, but like it, but, <laughs> no,
3: it doesn't matter. but
0: in the dream she was there and it's like yeah. you get so used to them not being around and then when they're there, it's like holy shit, like it's just such a force. I don't know. You know, it's it's just an amazing no, thing. I agree. And it's also I just agree. so amazing how life life is life and when you're gone, you're gone. You know? It's just it's yeah. just crazy. But um it also and say? not
5: only that; it also is like, I think. I think if anything, um, this this thing that happened has made me live life a lot more to the fullest, and kind of not sweat the the small things. You know, it's like very easy to to forget that and and get preoccupied about small things, or or you know, like keep habits or relationships or or people around that are not. Doing great things for you, and then when something like this happens and tragedy strikes, you're like, "My life is too short." It really is. I know it sounds cliché, but it is. You know, just live it, live it like you want to live it, and not don't fret the small things. Just focus on the on the true values and the true important things in life.
0: All right, that's a good positive place to stop. I think. Um, I like it that, is, yeah. and um, and why don't you wish the Dopey Nation a Merry Christmas?
5: Oh yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody! I hope I hope you spend time with your loved ones, and um, that you can, you know, stay strong and support each other, and hope for a better year
0: yeah yeah
5: and you know some something that you can feel proud of right
0: on all right whatever that whatever
5: that
0: thing is that sounds good thanks annie sounds every good. i'm sure everybody would love love to have hear from you and i always love to hear from you um oh,
5: thank you and we'll thank talk you. soon sounds good have a right. good night you too <laughs> okay
3: Bye-bye. bye bye
0: So, yeah, it's very sad, obviously, but it's very real that that Chris died and uh, and that Annie, God bless her, had to find him and have lost him. But, uh, you know, and I can't diminish the sadness, but it is Christmas time and I do want to uh, end this episode, uh, you know, with some positive Christmas wishes uh, to you guys, because, you know, Chris died and, and it's very, very, very sad. But like life has to go on, and uh, you know, you guys have to live. I have to live, and Chris would want it that way. So, to bring you guys a special, special Christmas message, I've brought in the great, the one, and the only Nick Reiner. Welcome back to the show.
6: This is Nick Reiner, and I want to wish the Dopey Nation a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And uh, yeah, what
0: else? What's going on, man? You don't say hi. You go into this pre-recorded thing. I could have just played a voicemail. What's going on with you?
6: Well, I'm saying this is. I'm saying hi. How you doing? I'm doing really good.
0: Yeah, you sober? Yes. You're such a liar, Nick. How you? How you come on dopey to, to lie?
6: That's the truth.
0: Really? No weed?
6: Yep. No weed.
0: Really? How long?
6: Um, you know, about a week. Really. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. What what was the change yeah, of heart? I just
6: don't feel like I need it really.
0: So what was the change of heart?
6: I don't know, just uh, the Christmas spirit, the uh the it's just I just I'm feeling it.
0: That's beautiful. Can I ask you a personal question? Sure. Did you ever give your dad the Oive hat?
6: <laughs> Never. Did you read I'll the not, Did you read the no, script? I'll, I'll, I'll I'll never do that.
0: Well, why did I send it to you if you're not going to give it to him?
6: I don't know. You're you're like harping on the fact that it was thirty bucks and that you sent you sent me this package and I'm just I'm not going to give it to him.
0: Did you open the package?
6: No, it's sitting in my room and it's this depressing fucking brown bag with these dumb Oyvey hats.
0: And no, there's dopey hats in it for you.
6: Oh, you don't want the dopey hat, the fire dopey?
0: No. You don't send that I shit don't back. Want it. Send it back. Okay, dude, man, what happened to the Christmas spirit?
6: I, I don't know, dude. You were just. I guess I'm the only one without the Christmas spirit.
0: You just said you had the Christmas spirit, and it's keeping you from smoking weed. This, I think
6: this. everybody in the dopey nation will understand that I uh, I'm not going to give my dad the Ovej hats. They'll they'll get it.
0: I don't think so. I think it's a, it's a disappointment to me and to the Dopey Nation. you will be th-
6: happy that I'm not smoking weed, and that's about it.
0: All right. Well, I think your dad would really and, like And
6: And next time when I call in, bring a little bit more energy.
0: Can you just please uh, consider giving your father the gift I spent money to send to you and him? Okay. And would you please wear the Dopey hat, for Christ's sake? I sent you a gift, too. Open it up for Christmas this year. Do you guys have a Christmas tree?
6: All right, I'll put it under the little tree I have. Do
0: you have a Christmas tree? Yeah. So put the dopey package under the tree, and listen, don't give it to your dad. I don't care. I want you to wear a dopey hat for the new year, okay? How's that?
6: All right, how do I get out of this?
0: Just say yes. Yes. What do you mean, get out of this? What do you, what's the? I, I sent you a gift. It's a hat. Half the Dopey Nation is begging for a free hat. I send you, Nick Reiner, a free one, and you're ungrateful. Hello? Okay. All right, Nick. Great to hear from you. Have a very Merry Christmas, my love. How's it going? Man, to cool Who's that? <laughs> it's a... G- Isn't that some
5: oil? Uh, <laughs> <on this mayonnaise? laughs>
6: Did you hear that? I'm the coolest man ever. That's what she just said.
0: What the fuck is going on?
6: Everybody's just realizing, you know, (laughs) never mind.
0: Well, there he is, Nick Reiner, ladies and gentlemen. Why don't you say another Merry Christmas to make this end better?
6: Merry Christmas.
0: And Happy New Year. Happy Jew Year.
6: And Happy New Year.
0: All right, bud. Thank you for calling in. I love you.
6: All right. Later. Much much
0: love. Yes, sir. All right, so that was the great uh Nick Reiner uh coming through in the clutch as he often does. But to close this episode out properly, uh I, I called my father to uh to send some good Christmas wishes and uh because he's been dying to come on the show, right, Dad?
2: Well, I don't. I don't know about dying to come on the show. You keep it intimating that I should come, and I should come, and then, and then, of course, uh, I don't. But I'm here. I'm here. And you know what? I'm in Delray Beach. Wow. You know, the, the home of uh, rehab and Renaissance and 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 uh, old old uh, old old memories, right?
0: Would you say the ghosts of Christmas past?
2: Oh yeah, a lot of ghosts down here. That's for sure. Uh, a lot of ghosts. Anyway, I do want to wish everybody a uh, merry, merry Christmas, happy holidays and a happy new year. And uh, and I, I, I also want to say, you know, you're really close to one million downloads
0: um, we're, we're inches away. But inch, yeah. inches are miles in this business, Dad.
2: You never, no, no, no. You're going you're gonna to hit it pretty soon. I mean, it looks like the numbers are, are moving fast. Holy cow. Like, isn't it like 976 now? 976,000 today, something like that?
0: Can I be honest with you? I, I stopped yeah. looking at the downloads because the numbers weren't good enough. I, I stopped looking at them.
2: Well, I thought you should have had a contest of somebody to predict the day that 1 million.
0: All right, so why don't you, Helen, Helen, why don't you set up your your contest idea right now?
2: Well, what's the The, date? Today is December
0: 21st. Well, the show is going to come out tomorrow night, so say December 22nd.
2: All right, it's December 22nd. And my prediction, I would say, I'm going to say, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say January.
0: 24th. <laughs> That's ironically my father's birthday.
3: <laughs> right,
0: yes. So you predict on your birthday that the podcast will get a million
2: downloads. Well, I think I'm going to be off. I think it's going to be in February, but I, I thought it was cute to predict January 24th.
0: I predict February 27th.
2: Oh, the, well, lucky there's 27 days in
0: February. That's good. What
2: about
0: February 15th? What do you think? I say no. Okay. Um, right. Now, uh, what was I thinking? So, also, uh, so if the Dopey Nation wants to predict the day that we hit 1 million downloads, uh, send in an email, send in a voicemail, and the winner just might get something.
2: Oh, yeah? Are you actually going to give something?
0: I said they might get something. Oh,
2: they might. They might. Yes. I I, I hope your
3: viewers understand you sometimes when you're making these comments.
0: I hope you understand that there are no viewers. There's just listeners.
2: Oh, well, I meant listeners, yes. You know I meant listeners.
0: Now, I I, I believe that uh, you've been saving up some criticism. You haven't been on the show for a little while. I I have a million things. All right, so let's go fast, Ed. Let's go fast.
2: uh, First of all, the New York Times today has this big story where they're asking people to send in stories about recovery. And obviously, you've been been doing that for two and a half, three years.
0: So you think Uh, the New York Times is about to steal Dopey, too?
2: Well, they they finally got onto it, and deaths by uh, addiction is now more than good violence and uh, automobile accidents.
0: Listen, so, save that for somebody else's podcast. Get to the all criticism.
2: Right. all right the, the, the criticism is uh in terms of um, and you know what I mean, I think you're getting better with that. Uh, Even Bob Forrest was doing it. Also, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. You need to have conversations where you don't keep repeating yourself by saying, "You know what I mean."
0: So you're saying that your your criticism is that Bob Forrest says, "You know it." You say that I don't say it, but your criticism is that bob forrest says you know what i mean too
2: much no he probably copied it from you no i'm saying i'm saying you say it too often but you're getting better at it i mean because maybe me me saying something about it is getting you to think about it
0: is this a compliment um, or a criticism i can't i really can't I'm doubt.
2: trying to make it into a compliment you're getting really much better at it i
0: okay. think you're getting then, better at your criticisms They're, they feel much better than they used to what else oh. you got
2: well, this thing about uh, Justin and the Norwegian guy—of course they're right. I mean, uh, your drug, your podcast has has nothing to do with about how to make an app. Your podcast is about drug addiction and all the other stuff that you talk about. And of course, they were right about that. And I guess you think you were joking with them or something. Um,
0: but, you know what but- I say? I say that uh, that they're wrong. That the podcast has always been about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I say podcast production falls into the dumb shit but actually now that you're but it on the was phone you a minor part of it shush, just be, Depp, be quiet <laughs> yes. um, <Okay. laughs> yesterday i got this message from yeah. the norwegian ah uh. he says Hello, Dave. It was very funny that you read my email in episode 165. I don't really fuck so much, so it was strange that you called me a fucking Norwegian. You get the joke? Um, Don't know. Maybe there is a myth about Norwegians fucking a lot. This guy's got jokes. Anyway, I understand now that it was incorrect of me to criticize the fact that you have a hang-up on talking about how to name and create podcasts as this falls under one of your three pillars in your show, drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. Anyway, what a comeback in episode 165. Great show. It was very interesting to learn Don's story. I wish him all the best in his recovery. I wish you and your family, including you, a happy Christmas. Just realize now that you are Jewish. Stay strong in Toodles. Best regards, Roger.
2: That's very nice. That's terrific. All That's right. really good. Ex- obviously, has good. Now, now, listen to this one. Yeah. You, you actually said on the last episode yes. that you were unhappy for 42 years. Now, that, that really.
0: When did I say that?
2: You said it in the last. Go type back your episode. What did
0: I. In regards to what? In regards
2: to your life, that you've only been happy in the last three years or something.
0: That's what I said?
2: Uh, well, you, That's what you said. I mean, you can go check it out. I may, you know, I may be losing it altogether in terms of my uh, abilities. To yes. think, but I don't agree with that so easily. But in any case, that's what I think you said, though. Yes. And that's ridiculous.
0: I think Obviously, it's true. I, I, was a f- I was a fucking oh, terrible drug addict. Dad. I was miserable. The life you gave me was, was so sad. All I could do was shoot heroin to enjoy my life it's terrible
2: give me, give me a break
0: okay what else you got
2: well hold on. you're gonna you're gonna actually let that stay out there that that you weren't happy when you were a little kid you weren't happy going to the zoo to the park you weren't happy you weren't happy uh,
0: no I had, a, I had a very very happy childhood. it was incredibly fulfilling it only emotionally scarred me for a lifetime of drug addiction but let's move <laughs> past that what's the next criticism
3: you're terrible.
2: That's the criticism. Okay, yeah. that's fair. What do you got, anything you're, else? You're, yeah, you're. That's awful. I mean, look, Toby Nation. He was a sweet kid. He was a good kid, and he's giving me a hard time now. Anyway, that's it. So, uh, what else do you have?
0: What about uh, your? What about the anti-Aurora comments?
2: Oh no no! I, Aurora is wonderful. She's a sweet girl. Uh, but but again, if you're if you're going to be uh, on a podcast, I'm not going to say radio. If you're going to be on a podcast and you're interviewing people or you're, or people are, are speaking, they really have to be aware of not repeating things like "I know, I know," or or uh, you know, um, you know what I mean. You I just mean, said that,
0: you know um. As you said, you know what I mean.
2: That's what I was just saying.
0: Yeah, you exactly. just did it. So you're saying when you say when you're saying it to me and that I'm getting it's, good at it, what you're really saying is Aurora did it too much.
2: No, I'm saying you did it too much. I you just said I was getting better about better. Aurora. You are getting better.
0: I mean, But I, Aurora, Aurora is worse, right?
2: I, I am not going to say anything bad about Aurora. I'm just saying Aurora should be aware of that.
0: That's Would you so say Aurora is the worst at being interviewed that she says those things way too much?
2: Absolutely not. I will not say that.
0: Aurora doesn't um, listen to the show, anyways. So you can be honest yes, about her. No, she doesn't um, listen. She's
2: gonna listen to this one.
0: She, she only talks. listens to it if she's on.
2: Well, she'll know that we're talking about her. It's the same difference. I think she's terrific, and and I was I was absolutely um, surprised about what a difficult. Difficult time she had I didn't know anything About About you know, Mother and uh, And the family I, oh, I didn't yeah. know any about that Do you know what that the English people very, You know, very moving
0: Do you know what English people say For the word surprised
2: No Well I should know But I don't
0: They say Gobsmacked
2: Oh yeah I know that Yeah gobsmacked Would yeah, you say you were
0: gobsmacked By her tragic Tragic upbringing
2: Absolutely Yeah
0: Would you say yeah. absolutely Gobsmacked
2: Yes
0: I would something yeah. so, Okay Anyway,
2: should I say gobsmacked? I just said it. absolutely gobsmacked. Yes. All
0: right, do you got any anything else, or is that it?
2: Uh, let me see. Let me have my list here. Uh, I got that. I got that. Um, so anyway, so how how are you doing in terms of? Uh, also, just think about about being you know uh, sober, sobriety. Yes. Um, you know dealing with life everybody has to deal with it. I mean, you know, just because you're, you're I mean, if you're a drug addict, you you're, you're not dealing with real life. But real life of course has problems and people just have to have to learn how to deal with it. There's, there's no there's no uh, panacea about about life being so easy for everybody. It's not. Dad, let me ask you, you a question.
0: Did you did what? you ever consider going into the addiction field? Cuz I think you really no. could you could really straighten a lot of people out with that.
2: Uh, yeah, no, no. I never thought about that. I have. Um, I, I, I'm still teaching. I'm doing my shtick. Uh, I'm teaching about science and science education, and I think that that is a very important thing for me to keep doing.
0: The idea um, is that addicts tend to struggle with the difficulties in life and use drugs because they have a hard time dealing with it.
3: Yeah. Well. Yeah,
2: maybe. Absolutely. And the New York Times had a big article today about what causes addiction uh and the difficulty of stopping. Uh, and and the and that and that recovery is incredibly possible. That that's that's one
3: of the good parts at the end of it, I think.
2: Anyway, so happy holidays to everybody. And listen, so um uh I guess I'm going to listen to this on Saturday. I'm coming home on Saturday, so uh
0: so i'm sure I'm sure I'll hear about it that that uh that the episode has its ups and downs, but it was one of the best ones because you got to be back on it
2: that's listen you know I don't ever say that you, know?
0: <laughs> you think it though that's what you think.
2: No. No, no, no! I.
0: What, you say this I guy. Think- this guy was kind of long-winded. He wasn't that good. This girl, eh, it was okay. Nick Reiner, he always stinks. And I, my segment was just too short. That's what you're going to say. I'm not
2: going to say anything of the above I just want to say, uh, I want to say again, uh, happy holidays to everybody, and make sure you stay smart and stay safe and think first. I think is another one of these comments uh, that people should have in their heads
0: All right, Dad. Thank you for uh, <laughs> calling in. And uh, I'm sure we'll get you back on the show soon enough. And I'll see you you this weekend.
2: Very good. All right, Davey. I love you very much. All right. I love you,
0: too. Uh, All right. Bye-bye. 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 So there was the Dopey uh, Christmas episode. And here's a few uh, Christmas messages from the Dopey Nation. Uh, Write in a review for Chris. He loved reviews. And for me, I like reviews. Send in an email. Send in a really good voicemail that's short and funny with a drug story attached. And uh, stay strong, Dopey Nation. It's fucking holidays. Everybody gets all fucked up during the holidays. Uh, try to protect yourself. Don't do anything stupid. Recovery could be fun. Just give it a chance. Just give it a, give it a shot like good old Gabby. Gabby's giving it a shot. Uh, stay strong, everybody. Sorry the episodes are so long. It's just so much stuff. Got to get out to the people. Uh, stay strong and toodles for Chris, who uh, we miss. And, um, you know, it's just uh, first Christmas without Chris, and it's Christmas, C H R I S T M A S, but it's always Chris, Miss, C H R I S, M I S S, on Dopey. We love you and miss you, and uh, you fucked it up, but we love you anyway. Stay strong,
4: everybody. This is Jeremy Turner, a.k.a. Whitey Tidies, and Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and toodles. Dopey Nation, it's Patrick, one of the three assholes from Don't Die,
6: Wisconsin. Wishing everybody a Merry Christmas, be safe, don't die, motherfuckers.
4: Toodles. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, Dopey Nation. From, this is Gabby in Australia. Um, I'm spending my New Year's in detox, so happy fucking New Year's to me. Happy fucking New Year's to you guys. Love you all, and uh, keep safe. All right.
1: Hey, Dopey
2: Nation. This is Ryan from Don't Die, Wisconsin. Merry Christmas or Kwanzaa or Hanukkah or... Uh, whatever solstice anyway toodles this is Simon
0: LeBon from Duran Duran I won't be coming on the bleeding pod anytime soon but I just wanted to wish the Dopey Nation a happy Christmas and a joyous new
3: year toodles hey man this is Mike Mart from Bob Forrest Don't Die podcast wishing the Dopey Nation a happy holidays
2: Oh ho, 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 Merry Christmas. It's Hot Wheels. Hoping y'all stay safe. Um, Some of you are going to want to run out, get high, drink, get drunk, get all messed up because it's fucking the holiday season. If that spirit moves and you think you don't want to use, I mean, hit me up. Hit somebody up. I'm all over Twitter and Facebook. My phone number's on Dopey. I'll give it to you again. 847-513-3289. Call somebody before you pick up. Don't fucking die. Merry Christmas.
5: This is Aurora. Like, you know, Dopey Nation. Alan, I have a bone to pick with you. I don't say liking, you know, too much. But I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And thanks for my sobriety,
3: Dopey Nation.
2: What's up, Dopey Nation? This is Randy, a.k.a. Billy Baru. I'm happy to report that I just received my two-year sobriety chip. Dopey is a huge part of my recovery, and I am forever grateful to Chris and Dave. I want to wish the Dopey Nation a safe and Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Let's make 2019 the
6: best year ever.
1: Yo, what up, Dopey Nation? This is Andrew G. from Philly and the Dopey Nation
6: Facebook page. I just want to wish you all a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, stay strong. Toodles.
5: What's up, Dave and the Dopey Nation? This is Megan from The Addictionary Podcast out here in Boston. Just wanted to send some love your way during this holiday season, and Merry Christmas,
4: you filthy animals. Hey, what's going on, Dopey Nation? This is Jed from the Church and Other Drugs podcast. Just wanted to wish you guys a Merry Christmas, a happy Festivus, a joyous Kwanzaa, and a uh, merry, non-denominational, non-threatening holiday season. Stay strong.
6: Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. This is Graphic Design Ryan, wishing the Dopey Nation a safe and happy Christmas please no one do anything fucking stupid
3: what's up dopey nation
5: it's uh amy dresner author of my fair junkie uh holidays are a tricky time it was christmas that i got loaded on oxy and pulled a knife on my horrible ex-husband and went to jail for felony domestic violence i do not suggest that stay away from sharp objects if you are high on christmas um it can be easy time to feel deprived but you know what fuck it It's a couple days, and if you're a Jew, it don't matter. It's just time for Chinese food and movies. I don't know why I'm doing that dumb voice. Anyway, stay strong, you guys. My fair junkie loves you. Toodles. Big
3: kiss. Hello. This is Eugene Myerson from Hop Walk, New York, wishing everybody out there a very, very Merry Christmas. Except for Vice, because they suck. Stay strong, Dopey Nation.
0: Hello, Dopey Nation. This is Ismael. I said I would never come on this show, but I would like to wish everybody in the Dopey Nation a Merry Christmas and a happy, happy New Year. So stay strong, my brothers and sisters in recovery. And doodles. What is this? Martin Luther King
3: Jr. Day or something? Hey, this is Bob. I'm over in Echo Park celebrating Christmas with my family. And I just want to say I am a
2: devoted, freak, fanatic
3: member of the Dopey Nation. Happy Holidays. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. aeroplane just passed me by and I wanna see a Lear jetliner take a dive just to show all of these people what it means to be alive but I wanna be good so bad wanna be so good so bad so bad I wanna be good so bad bad desire's all I ever had and my shadow's getting and smaller and it's high noon where I stand. Shadows getting smaller and smaller and it's high noon where I stand. And I wonder would they pay any mind when I leave this busted city far behind. I'll take the high road and love are very, very, very hard to find, and I want to be good, so bad, I want to be good, so bad, so bad, I want to be good, so bad, bad desire's all I ever had, damn it all these suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had. These suckers make me mad, and I wanna call my dad, and it's all I ever had, and all I ever had, and it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. And these suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had, and I wanna call my dad, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever